Hello, and welcome to another episode of Overdrinkers, the Story Screen Presents podcast where I, your host, Mike Burge, it me, I'm the only one that hosts this podcast, sits down with a friend to talk about a movie or a collection of movies, and wouldn't you know it, you've already clicked play, you've read the title, you know what's going on here, James Bond has returned, I am joined by the absolute lovely Rhea Banerjee, hello Rhea. Hello, so nice to see you. This is your first uh, Zoom podcast. It is. It right? is. Yeah. 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 Still in the in the virtual digital world, keeping it safe for everybody. Yep. Yep. But it's all good. I'm testing out some new gear. So, uh, you know, this is pretty sweet for me. It's going to be good. <laughs> uh, I think that us being uh, separated and not the energy being swirled in the same room for over an hour will hopefully lead to a more um, responsible... <laughs> And civilized. Uh, Bond episode, yeah. 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 Uh, Where the energy is high, (laughs) the enthusiasm is good, and hopefully the thoughts will be coherent. Uh, (laughs) For anyone who hasn't listened to our other two uh, Bond podcasts, um, uh, they are notorious uh, (laughs) in the Stories Cream Presents podcast world for maybe going, uh, taking the overdrinkers theme just a little bit too uh, seriously. Uh, In the first episode, we covered, now help me out with this, we always cover one main one, but we also pair two other Bond movies up with it. So, so in the first one, we did Casino, Casino Royale. Royale. And then, oh, dear God. Yeah, right? I think we did Casino Royale from Russia with Love. Yes. Yes, that sounds that sounds accurate. And I feel like we also did... I can't remember the third one. I know that the second one, because the second one also infamously was lost for almost a year because we I got I got so drunk <laughs> when we recorded it that the file was saved like somewhere else and I thought that I thought that it had just been deleted but I was like there's no way that it that it can't and I finally found it by by cleaning through my hard drives a few months ago and on that one we covered Goldeneye, Goldfinger and Live and Let and Die. And Live and Let Die. You know what? And I actually haven't heard that one yet. So no, you're gonna have to point me in that direction, cause yeah, it's up there. I, it's uh, I'll, I'll send it to you. I want to hear uh, that uh, that a uh, classy analysis of live and let die that I. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so we are breaking back into it, uh, and this episode is kind of uh, you know, uh, we we like apparently we like doing these once a year. <laughs> um, and you know, we were getting really uh, jazzed up about doing another one as um, the. Uh, Bond 25, now tentatively titled, or I guess definitely titled for a tentative release date, uh, to be determined, uh, No Time to Kill, Mm -hmm. No Time to Die? No Time to Die. No Time to Die. And I think they're saying tentatively April of 2021. Hopefully, Hopefully. yeah. Uh, uh, That movie looks like it could be fire. It's got a lot going on, but as we all know, notoriously... Just about every Bond movie that in the last one is bad. Um, removing if they've only been in one or two of them. Uh, right. And one of those we're going to talk about today. We are. So uh, <laughs> Sean Connery recently uh, passed away. Um, mm-hmm. And I say this uh, with the utmost respect, finally. Uh, it, it seemed like Sean Connery to me, and again, zero disrespect, just trying to be a little lighthearted about it. Always seemed to me. I always forgot that he was still alive. You know, because he is the he is very retired. He wasn't really in the public eye. Uh, he wasn't really doing a lot of interviews. He doesn't really have a social media presence. So all of these things kind of mix together and add to the fact that he was also like 
80 years old or something. Like he, he passed away when he was 90. Right. Um, and so uh, he, he passed away at the time of this recording about a week ago. Just a little about, bit more maybe. Just about, yeah. 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 And so we decided that we are going to hit uh, three Connery movies. We're going to do his first uh, Bond movie, Dr. No. The, the first. Very, the, the, the first. first the Bond first. Yep. We're going to do his last Bond movie, Diamonds Are Forever, when he returned after George Lazenby's one film uh, hit. And then we're also going to cover The Black Sheep of the Family, the non-Eon produced <laughs> Bond movie, uh, Never Say Never Again, I'm, I'm, which it, I'm we're calling his cheat movie. I'm already holding my head, but yes. <laughs> you know, so it, there's all the, it's funny you uh, no, say no, that because uh, uh, I kind of have the inverse thing as you. I, I kind of always felt that Sean Connery was somehow immortal, even though we hadn't heard right. from him in a while. So when I heard that he died, I was like, but that's not possible. Right, yeah. So, uh, either way. Yeah, it's terrible. Like, he's, uh, you know, especially in watching these, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more and more, so we'll save that juicy conversation for where we're going. Mm -hmm. Um, But it really is one of those things where when when someone who is just such an inarguably iconic legend uh, passes away, even if they really haven't been in the public eye for over a decade, it really kind of reminds you of just, like, how much like all of the response and the reaction to it and everybody praising all the different things that he did you know it's mm-hmm. it's really wild and so in, and in watching these three movies in particular you really do get to see this kind of the aging of him as well because yes. like you know there's yeah, about yeah, seven yeah. years between the first two and then there's about you know 14 15 years between mm-hmm. uh diamonds are forever and never say never again but getting ahead of ourselves as always on Overdrinkers, uh, we are not only talking about a film, but we are partaking of some luscious beverages. I have myself a delicious martini mocktail here with a little bit of lemon. It's all just non-alcoholic versions of the things that you want. We're going to keep this one, or at least I'm going to keep this one <laughs> no. a little regulatory because I have to do a podcast immediately after this as well. I'm going to uh, I'm going to be I'm going to be chill too because I do have to work tomorrow, but yeah. I, I am We're growing up. We we're are. Growing we're growing up. up. We're growing up. That being said, I am drinking Prosecco, but that's because we bought a shitload of Prosecco when Joe Biden became the president and now we've just been drinking it and drinking it and drinking it. You know, I heard about that. Yeah, it's a thing. It's a it's a thing that happened. I don't know if you were Pretty uh, cool. Yeah. Pretty yeah, cool. Yeah. yeah. Into it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, so you're drinking the Prosecco. I got my little mocktail. So yep. uh, cheers to you through the uh, cheers, through the old camera. through the Zoom. Ding, 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 ding. Yes. Ooh. <sighs> Lemony, goodness, responsible adult. I do say I miss your Vesper martinis. You have a, you have a touch. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. It's one of the, one, you know, uh, like lasagna, meatloaf, beef jerky, Vesper martinis. Not not things to eat together, but all things that I can do fairly well. I may, if I may say so myself. That sounds like a very balanced diet to me. Yeah, it could be good. Yeah. Uh, so let's break into it. You know, so the first movie we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about 1962's uh, Doctor No. Um, Doctor No. Doctor No. Uh, you know this this uh, ter- this one's Terrence Young, uh, notoriously Terrence Young and Guy Hamilton did a lot of the earlier Bond movies and stuff with some random people in there. Uh, this is the first like Eon produced like considered one of the you know when you call No Time to Die uh, Bond twenty five. This is Bond one. Bond like they, one. Yep. 
there there was like TV movies and smaller things like Casino Royale and stuff before this, but this is the first this is the first big Bond movie and and Sean Connery is Bond, the first Bond. Yes. And um we rewatched this. Um this movie uh has interesting things to talk about, but I think <laughs> at the end of the day, uh really really entertaining, uh especially given that this thing at this point now is close to 60 years old. Right. Right. And it's you know what I love about it was uh I'm I'm watching it keep bearing in mind that it was the first Bond film and they do such a great world work of world setting like right off the bat in the first 10 minutes you're like all right this guy he's a good spy works for British intelligence uh his boss M has uh two leather doors for extra security so we we know they're on top of that security stuff um, you know, and then just you, you, you just get a real sense of like, okay, he's got an associate who's been killed. They have to look into it. And it's just like, bam, you're right there. There's no sugarcoating. There's no overexposition. You just get plunked right into the world. You understand who he is. And it's, so I was just, I'm, I was, I remember, cause I haven't seen this in a really long time. So I just remember being, as I was rewatching it, just impressed by how effectively and quickly they just, they just dump you into the world and you're like all right i get it i'm here i get it yeah and it's crazy too like how you know there's a there's dr no is so cool because they're really figuring it out like yes like they're like there's no real title opening sequences but there is like a sequence you know there's no song but like they're just using like the main the main bond bond theme theme. yeah and they they already had the uh the iconic uh the the scope with bond you got the gun barrel yep yep and uh, not the scope the gun barrel it's okay i've had i've had like a quarter of a glass of oh boy uh yeah no here we go uh oh no 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 i'll be fine uh yeah no but that iconic thing where he's walking and he turns and he shoots and the blood comes down and 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 the bond theme comes in and you're just like all right spy world i get it i'm here i'm here for it yeah it's like they 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 do all the um they do all the normal stuff you got your bond james bond that's how he's first introduced uh you've got your your classic stuff where you know you've got a couple of different bond girls at the front uh, can you trust them? Can you not? And then you get your main Bond girl halfway through. This happens in more than your fair share of Bond yep, movies, yep. which is such, I think we talked about it on the last one uh, where it's like it's such an interesting thing that that kind of happens. Oh, no, we talked about it on the first one because it's in Casino Royale. They maintain that where Eva, uh, Eva Green's character really shows up about halfway through the movie because that's when the Casino Royale stuff starts. Right. Because you have about like 45, 55 minutes of the movie that's just Bond, like, and he's doing the beach stuff, he's at the airport, he's doing all of that stuff. And before he actually gets on the train where he meets um, uh, Vespa, right. um, it is like about halfway through the movie. And right. that's kind of the same thing in this movie where you don't re- you don't meet Honey Rider until you know there's about forty five minutes left of the movie, and you don't even meet Doctor No until there's only about twenty five minutes left of the movie. Right, right. I and mean, that's that's an interesting thing that it's here in the first movie, and it's it's one of the most like, it's one of the odder, uh, more overlooked things that all the bomb movies kind of share is like this kind of tentative story structure of like kind of injecting new stuff into the movie about halfway through to like re-energize in case some people are getting a little, exactly. getting a little tired. Exactly. The one thing that is interesting about this one, cause the tr- I think we discussed this too in, in our casino Royale 
uh, extravaganza uh, is that there there tends to be a thing that that comes up. I think it starts maybe a couple movies after Doctor No, where the first Bond girl you meet dies, mm. and then you know, like Goldfinger, she gets golded to death, or or how else you want to put that. And then and then the next Bond girl is like the that's the girl, that's the love interest, that's the important female character in the film. Mm-hmm. They don't kill off any of the pre-bond girls before we meet honey but he does get one of them arrested so it's like they were yeah. they were kind of figuring out how to work that that sort yeah they're, of thing they're flirting out. with it they're like well yeah. we gotta get rid of her somehow and it's not like she's just gonna not like him anymore so right they either get her arrested or you kill her like yeah that's, yeah that's so he like he and in his super spy way he's like i'm calling a cab and he's really calling the cops and then she's like what how dare you? I thought we were going to a restaurant. I'm like, this is this is beautiful. It's great. And, and speaking of and speaking of beautiful too, you get Felix Leiter in the first one, yes. which is really neat. I forgot that he. I mean, I forgot that he's been there since day one, basically. I mean, totally. You know, the 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 brother from Langley. You know, and this one is this one's interesting because it's um it's Jack Lord plays uh Felix Leiter in this movie, and we don't get Felix Leiter back until uh, Thunderball. Mm. Uh, which is the fourth one. And it's because uh, they didn't want to bring Jack Lord back because Jack Lord was insanely cool as Felix Leiter. And some people were kind of like, he's kind of taking away from uh, the, the energy. Uh, the Cause like, if you put, Bond. right. If you put like Sean Connery's cool next to Jack Lord's cool, Sean Connery's cool kind of starts to seem maybe a little bit too manic. Uh, where because ah, Jack Lord is just yeah, super just, smooth, he's smooth and, and chill dialed in and relaxed and, like, and doesn't panic about shit and sure yeah, yeah. yeah. and this movie was like a couple years uh, before I think Hawaii Five O was about of to happen course. and Jack Lord is the main of character course, in that and so he was like a superstar so they're like oh we don't want to steal the energy both like off the screen and on the screen and so they hire like a completely different person to play Felix as more of kind of a bumbling. Like, still competent, but a little bit more just, like, kind of always under 007's yeah, boot a just, little bit. just a little less cool. Just a little yeah. less cool. I, yeah. I rewatched Thunderball for this as well because Ooh, Never Say Never yeah. Again is essentially Thunderball. Right. And I started watching Never Say Never Again, and I was just like, you know, I got an hour and a half that I can kill. I'm going to watch Thunderball first and, like, really see the connectivities of these guys and it's it's insane that they may we'll get to that yeah yeah you know i i didn't get a chance to revisit thunderball but i did do a lot of read i had some uh downtime at work today after lunch and so i did do some reading about the whole thunderball book movie controversy and why Mm -hmm. they even like why never say never again even happened because like why are you remaking a bond movie that Sean Connery had been in. He was in Thunderball and then they they call him back in 1983 and they're like, you want to do Thunderball again, but like different. And he's like, sure. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was like, what, what, what? And so we'll get, I, uh, we'll, we'll get we'll there. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. But I did. I the, did some. That's uh, the that's the ice cream dessert at the end exactly, of this meal. That's exactly. the real so sweet stuff. You saw the movie. I did some some nerdy re- nerdy research. So mm-hmm. so we'll have that waiting for everybody at the end. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Doctor No. Um, really fun adventure movie. It really cool and interesting to consider. You know, like if this were a standalone, even though it's based on like a long running beloved series of books at the time, Mm -hmm. if this were just a standalone movie, it's a very interesting, like it's a very interestingly structured 
movie. Like now we know that that structure worked so well in Dr. No and they really fine tune it in uh, from Russia with love by kind of bringing in, you know, a couple of the extra stuff. They bring in the gadgets, they bring in Q, they mm-hmm, bring in mm-hmm. like the main big, like uh minion, you know, right. like to, to, to beat and like that's red in, in from Russia with love. And they, that's not in here. So it's like, we do have the bond girl, the early girl, the early bond girls. We have the main bond girl with the weird name. We've got like the <laughs> super villain. We've got specter. We've got M we've got money, penny, We've got the hats. We've got the attitude. Like, it, it's really funny that it's like 70% right. of what Bond is is in this is movie. Is in this movie, right. I have to say, I And it's I, really um, funny to, like, see it detached from all the other ones, you know? Right. Because like, you're so used to getting the whole package because that's what you're sold as a Bond movie now. Right. I also forgot that the word revenge was actually, is actually part of Spectre's name. Like, Spectre stands for... Yeah. And the R inspector is revenge. It's like revenge. It's like spying, terrorism, mm-hmm. revenge. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Uh, sounds very professional. Uh, you know, so <laughs> that was that was uh, that was. I found that to be quite hilarious. Uh, seeing Doctor No um, try to talk Bond into joining Spectre and explaining what they're all about. And uh, mm-hmm. this is one of the things that. Um, as I was watching this, I realized something that I think is fairly consistent in almost all Bond movies, and that is that the villains tend to be, I mean, and Dr. No No is a really, really, like, potent example of this. They tend to be so proud and so egotistical about their schemes and their evil plans, and so... Even though Dr. No has plenty of opportunities to just straight up kill James Bond and get him out of the way, (sighs) he doesn't. He's like, no, I'm going to explain to you in detail what my plan is and maybe hopefully talk you into joining me. And, oh, no, you're not going to join me. So now I think I want to kill you, but I'm actually going to just, you know, drug you. I mean, like, there's something very comical to me about, I mean, and this this shows up in in the other two movies we're going to discuss, too, of like... The villain could have killed Bond easily, and then they wouldn't have had to worry. They could have just done their evil plan and maybe succeeded, probably succeeded. But instead, they're like, no, I'm so proud of my evil plan, and on some level, maybe I want to impress James Bond, that I'm going to discuss my plan Mm -hmm. in gratuitous detail, giving him a lot of information he can subsequently use to outsmart me. And not realize that that's what I'm doing. Because, uh, right. yeah. And I was just like, I'm like, because that dinner that happens at the end of Dr. No. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm I'm sitting there and I'm watching and Dr. No is just talking and talking and talking. And I'm like, what are you doing? Just shoot him in the face. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Get him with your, with your like aluminum claws, you know, like your, your prosthetic hands you know like those those and i (laughs) i think it's you know it's an it's an old it's a it's like you know it's been going on for 60 years and it very much is i think like a an ego versus confidence kind of thing Mm -hmm. where like james bond is insane is is very confident but he very rarely lets his ego get the better of him Mm -hmm. sometimes he does and usually if that happens it's in like the first or second act when things are kind of ruffling up and he has to learn and he fixes it for the third act. Right. But it really is like, you know, your classic supervillain monologuing kind of stuff where it's like, 
I've got you, I've won, I'm going to relish in this. And I'm so egotistical and so like set in like I have won that I don't even care about a lot of the stuff that you do. I want you to see how much I've won. I want to torture you to kill you like as in Goldfinger where he's like, no, I'm not going to just kill you. Like I want, I want you to suffer right, because right. I'm in control. Right. So it really is like, it, it's, it's stuff like that where when it happens in this first one, you're like, okay, so Dr. No is... He's kind of like, he's maybe a little bit more than a crook. He's, he's kind of an intelligent man. He's a scientist. Uh, he's got a very calm demeanor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he seems very well off and educated I mean, again. Like he, he's, he's just kind of like, all right. He's so, got you know, a I've whole won. deal going on there too. Like that underground lair that yeah. Bond and Honey end up in. There's mm-hmm. a fucking five-star hotel. There's a restaurant. There's a big old fucking aquarium. Then there's also like the control room where all of the the, the nuclear radioactive stuff is happening. He has all these employees, and I'm I'm and it's like in this like mysterious cove in Jamaica that everybody's afraid to go to. And he's got this whole. I'm like I'm sitting there. I'm like, he, does he provide housing for all of his employees? How does he get the food oh. for the restaurant? He has right. a whole so you, supply you chain start, system. Like you start like Death Starring it. Yeah, where you're just exactly. like, so wait, do they live on the Death Star? Right, like, exactly. Are their families on the Death Star? Exactly. Yeah. I'm like, he's got I mean, like how he gets all how does he get his supplies? How does he get food? How does he get mm-hmm. you know, I'm just I'm the, I'm sitting there, I'm just like, wow, he's done so much work to create the ultimate spot for being a fucking bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. this is, I mean, like, this is it. It's like, there's a whole, there's a whole thing going on under there. And, and there's like, that's, yeah. that's, uh, you know, that's the Austin Powers joke in the second one where it's like, I want a volcano island right. base. Like, and it's right. like, that's Dr. No. And like, Dr. No has like the hidden lair. He's got the weird, uh, dragon, uh, oh, Diana, yeah. Yeah. My, the love of my life, Diana had the greatest joke. She watched Dr. No with me. And she was like, uh, what is this, like shoebox derby or something? With the <laughs> And I was just like, that is amazing. Yes. And I love you. Like that's it's it's really it's really funny. The the movie has so much edge to it too. Like it does, there's the yes. scene, there's the scene where the photographer breaks like the breaks the uh the camera bulb and like slashes the dude's face with it and he barely even like flinches yeah. and he's like, You want me to break your arm? You're just like and you realize like these guys are not messing around, like they know that they're in a dangerous profession and that they're, like they're there's a serious like a sincerity not sincerity like they're they're taking it seriously like mm, when they're mm. making and writing these movies right and i think that starts to fade away as you get into the more like pop culture stuff of it where they try and make these movies a lot more fun i agree dr no yeah. has moments of levity but i wouldn't say that it's fun no i think that, i think it's a i think straight... that it's fun in like the the travel and you get to see him go to different places and... yeah the adventure part of it but it's a yeah, straight of... action movie just a yeah. straight and... fucking espionage action movie yeah and one of the most interesting things about it is, in the time gap that we don't get is that like in the early 60s and i always remind myself of this when i watch especially these earlier connery bonds mm-hmm. which i do a lot and dr no is one of the ones that i probably go to the most i go to Dr. No, uh, the first three, From Russia With Love and Goldfinger, Mm -hmm. uh, those are three of my favorites. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Because the combination of Dr. No and From Russia With Love is what gets you Goldfinger, which is like 
the creme de la creme of the bomb that movies. Is it's like what the... all bomb movies are trying to exactly. emulate. That is the, uh, I'm so sorry I'm doing this. That is the gold standard. Yeah. Oh, I'm Girl. sorry. Oh, I'll, I'll see myself out. Oh, no. Um, oh. But it is, uh, <laughs> I, to the, to what I was saying is, um, the the travel air airports like that mm. was not a thing that a lot of people did back in the 60s it was still a very fancy thing to do to travel by airplane and to to travel to these exotic locations many people that were watching these movies couldn't afford to live in that kind of luxury exactly. so like the airport scene in this movie really is kind of like a set piece it even is. though like, to us right now we're just like oh he's just he's, he's getting off the plane and yeah. he's going to get in the car but they really but it's like sit really in it it's for a really while. glamorous yeah it's yeah. one of those it's you know like i hate flying i hate airports and i'm watching that and i'm like that looks like fun oh i love flying and i love airports oh see, i love it see, i love I, I when i used to travel in the military like that was the best part where it's just like ah i get to sit <laughs> in this plane i used to do this the the 16 hour from uh japan to uh o'hare in chicago oh shit constantly oh and uh god. it's insane oh my it's crazy god. oh my god but that's like you sit in a plane for 16 hours maybe eight times in the span of three years you get used to the well, fear right. of flying right and then the only thing i don't like is like waiting at airports and yes. maybe like your thing getting delayed which i just watch planes trains and automobiles and <laughs> when their planes get delayed like you can feel it you're yeah. like oh yeah that that desperation and that sadness yeah i used to do i mean like not i have family overseas so i have done really long haul flights like that i've sure I've, you yeah know, but I used to, you know, when I was in college, my father lives in California. I was in college in New York. I'm still in New York. So I would do the long haul flight back, not long, the long-ish, the medium-ish flight, haul flight back to California, maybe three or four times a year for, you know, school breaks or whatever. Um, and I got used to it in college. You just, you're just like, all right, this is end of the term. I did my finals. I'm going back home. And then... Um, just not doing it as often now when I have to do it I'm like how the fuck did I do this six times a year and again it's not even so much the flying like I'm okay with the flying sometimes like landing kind of uh, freaks me out but it's it's the waiting it's the security it's the TSA it's the you know oh there's a giant storm and now my flight is delayed and it's already a six hour flight but um but but you know in Dr. No I'm like, that looks like fucking fun. I'd, yeah. do, I'd do that. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. totally cool. And um, and the other thing I really love about that whole sequence when he when he lands in Jamaica and then there's this this uh this chauffeur who's obviously not what he seems and he figures it out like that. I think that's super cool too. That he in in. 10 seconds he's like mm-hmm. something's not right here he's got his yeah when they when sense, they don't really you know? have like the budget for some crazy action and they don't have the the introduction of really the gadgets yet mm-hmm. they really have to rely on bond as like a solid spy he he's quick he's witty he's charming he knows how to kind of get what he wants he's got that whole thing with like you know the 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 hair across the door oh i love that i love that detail like little spy stuff that you would do like in the 60s it's yeah i I totally love those details and then and he's also just got that like spy intuition like he just you know like he knows with you know with the the secretary who uh he gets arrested that the the, Mm -hmm. the woman 
he has a sense that something's up with her and he says it's it, what's the name of the, the geologist again what was his name he's leaving his office and he sees that mm-hmm. the woman is that the secretary is kind of listening in at the door and he yeah. and he knew she would be there he just knew yeah. he was just like i have a I have a sense. I have an intuition. Right, right, yeah. And she's like, oh, I'm just uh, getting the files and stuff. I'm just looking at the files, yeah, yeah. looking for the files. And he's like, "Uh uh-huh. And then he goes immediately into, like, the entrapment of, like, let's hang out. Why don't you show me around the island? I know Mm -hmm. you're bad. (laughs) Yeah, and he just kind of gets what he needs and then tosses her to the side. Like, yeah, Yeah, exactly. And it's it's kind of fun. It's like the... uh, that 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 kind of natural spy stuff of like knowing what you can use in the room to be able to get done what you need to get done. I always again Casino Royale. It's a great movie uh, when he knows that he swallowed the poison and he walks out and he grabs like he grabs like uh, the knife and the the no and the salt mm. like the salt in the glass and yeah. he like goes to the bathroom and dumps the salt in the glass and like chugs it so that it makes him throw up. It's like really cool stuff that you're like yeah. He like immediately he went immediate, there yeah, exactly. and knew what to do. Exactly. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's super. It's cool, cool. spy stuff. It's yep, yeah, super spy stuff. Um, yeah. So it's 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 it's. I, I don't know. It's just I. It, this is one of those things where, you know, and and comparing Doctor No to the more modern ones, which I you know I I I, I think you know this. I'm I'm a big Daniel Craig fan, and I like what they've. Must. I like what they've done with the character with Daniel Craig in the role. So I, you, mu- I, you must, you must stand. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, yes. I must, I, I, I can't, I can't not. Also, he apparently has a house in Stone Ridge. Just wanted to throw that out there. Um, <laughs> a little creepy. All right. I, it's not like I went looking for him. Sure. Just, sure. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, but it's, 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 it's interesting also to see in these early Bond films, you know, in Dr. No, in Diamonds Are Forever, in Never Seen Ever Again, we have these scenes of Bond as a spy, and sometimes he has to play a different role. Sometimes he has to pretend to be somebody else. Sometimes he has to that impersonate yeah. people. And that's yep. not something that happens as much as the movies progress. And that never yep. happens. I don't, I don't remember it happening in the Brosnan films. It does not happen at all in the Craig films. In the Craig mm-hmm. films, he's just kind of a spy slash killing machine. Mm-hmm. And there's no sequences where he's like, I'm I'm gonna pretend to be uh, you know, a a, a visiting a diamond you know, thief a or diamond something thief like that. Or, yeah. a, or a masseuse. It's a, it's or, a thing know. that they they pop out every now and then. I, I like the last time I can remember them doing it was like you know because you have little moments where you know I'm sure that there's a moment where Daniel Craig walks into a room in a in a bomb movie and someone doesn't know that he's James Bond and so he's just kind of playing it up something but it's never like his, his who he is is like he has a name. Right. You know, and, and like he he's playing a part pretending to be someone else, even though when Bond is pretending to be someone else, he's not really acting different. He's just hiding his identity and the fact that he's a spy. Exactly. Exactly. And I think in Casino Royale, they do they kind of pull that rug right out from under you real quick where it's like in the first hotel, he checks in and I think he's got a different name. But in the second one, he immediately just says like, oh, it's two for Bond. He's like, he knows that I'm here. He knows that I'm Bond. And now he knows that I know that he knows, so I've got him scared. Like that's <laughs> exactly that's kind of yeah. the thing that they do. Yeah. The, you know, the Daniel Craig movies for all of the, for all of like the very easy to say like it, it sheds off a lot of the, you know, some of the trappings that have been just like 
the garland that had gotten stuck that gotten stuck on the bomb character throughout the parties of the decades and stuff. Mm-hmm, it kind of mm-hmm. just takes off some of the extra stuff that they don't need and kind of boils it down. And by contrast of that, you just get something that's a little bit more grounded and a little darker. Right. And I think that one of the easiest ways to do that is to make him a very no-nonsense guy. Right. He's just very like, I'm here to do a job. My name's Bond, James Bond, and I've got guns. I've got guns, and, I'm and try- I've got muscles, and I'm going to yeah, kick the I'm shit gonna, out of you. And- I'm going to try and do this yeah. as quietly and quickly as possible, but if I need to, I'll, I'll start fucking some shit up. Yeah. And I don't care if you know my name. Right. Exactly. That's the name of the Casino Royale song. Exactly. You know my name. Exactly. So. Exactly. Um, you know, so yeah, that was another thing that I, I noticed immediately in Dr. No. And then I also noticed it in Diamonds Are Forever and, and uh, Never Say Never Again is that we have these these brief moments where, where Bond, in being a spy, has to pretend to not be James Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I just, it's it's, at this point, it's so it's so not a part of the bond character that I was just like, Oh, this is interesting. This is where we're seeing like, you know, parts of the spy repertoire that Mm -hmm. they thought were important in the sixties. And, you know, um, and, and being able to impersonate other characters or other professions or be, you know, undercover, I suppose was, was, was viewed as a, a part of that, James Bond identity in the beginning and then that's kind of slowly gets pulled away as as time has gone on but um mm-hmm. yeah so I I was I was uh I found that very it was it was interesting <laughs> I, I at, at first I was just kind of like oh he's he's pretending not to be James Bond interesting and then I was like yeah. well of course because he has to it's a little twist yeah yeah, yeah. uh let's uh let's real quick um Let's talk about Dr. No for a second. Uh-huh. Yes, let's talk about what, Dr. What, no. What uh what about Dr. No do you think is something that would be interesting to talk about? Uh Let me think. Right off right off the bat. Let me think. Let me think. Uh he's supposed to be uh he's supposed to be what? Chinese German? Yeah. He's played by who? Uh, just a white guy, but, um, yeah, yeah. I guess they decided to not really go the German route with it, which could have been understandable, right? <laughs> sure. Like, you could have just, sure, just given him You a... could have maybe just given him, like, a little tan. Yes. If but... you really wanted to go that far, you didn't even have to do that. Just, mm-hmm. like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. But, um... But no. They decided to, and again, this is 1962. I'm not getting all woke up in this shit. I get it. Yeah, they, they, uh, they, were, doing, they were doing, they were doing the best they could. With They're not they trying knew. to be malicious. Yeah. They're not trying to make fun. This isn't Breakfast at fucking Tiffany's or anything <laughs> where it's like, ban that movie and burn it. Like, like, you know, even though I love Breakfast at Tiffany's, I do but too. every time, like, that, every no, time that happens, exactly. you're just like, you're just like ooh. I'm a, yeah, I forgot like, that. I'm a bad person. I feel like I'm voting for Trump right now. I can't <laughs> watch this right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but Dr. No, it really raises an interesting, uh, because... There's another character, one of the earlier uh, bo- early Bond girls, um, appears to be a uh, a white actress. Also, yeah, playing like um, a Chinese Jamaican. I mean, there is a Chinese yeah. Jamaican population. Yes, they are very small. But, they but exist. I do not think this actress is representative of. Oh no. That. no, 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 no. She is a white girl, and they put a lot of like uh, cat eye eyeliner on her, so yeah. that you think maybe her eyes are. In the mold of the uh, the East Asian persuasion, and they give her dark yes. hair, and they're like, you know, and then she's like, "I'll cook you a Chinese dinner," 
That was the moment, right. by the way, when I realized she was supposed to be Chinese Jamaican. When she was like, "I'll cook you a Chinese dinner," and I yeah. was like, "Oh, so it's it's uh, oh. her name. Her name is Annabelle Chung." Oh God! And, <laughs> yes, yes. So, and I'm watching it, and I'm not realizing. Like, I'm like, "Oh, she's got a lot of makeup on," and I'm like, "She's talking like really weird." What's up with this character? And then, and right as I was thinking that, someone calls her like Ms. Chung, and I went. Oh no! Oh no! Like, because with the makeup and stuff, you're just like, all right, it's just like, like a lot of makeup. It's, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's 1962, yeah, sure. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But then you realize, like, they call her Miss Chung, and then I'm like, I'm realizing that she's like, she's like rolling her R's a little bit, and just like not in the good way that you're supposed <laughs> to do that. And you're just kind of like, why are you doing this? Because it's not important to the character. It's really not. She did not and even need so. To be... Like with Doctor No, I kind of get it. Where it's like, you know, he's from like. There's Chinese, like, uh, mafia entanglement stuff. And then there's the whole, like, yeah. you know, 1962 uh, post-World War II kind of German kind of scientist thing. I yeah. get it. Yeah, yeah. You, you, don't, you still don't have to put the makeup on him, but I understand how that ethnicity would be slightly relevant to the character. Sure, sure. And, Ms, and Ms, adds to Ms. the Ms. threat Chung's level. Yeah, no, Miss Chung, she did not need to be Miss Chung. Uh, yeah. She did not have to uh, offer to cook him a Chinese dinner. And you could just hire. I don't. I, I know we're not. Care. We're not breaking any <laughs> barriers right now. Like we're not breaking down the system. But you literally have two characters named Sister Lily and Sister Rose. Half an hour later, that are played by Asian by actresses. Asian actors. Yes. What are you doing? Yeah. Why are you doing this? Like it's not like it's. I don't because it's maybe a bigger speaking role, and in the '60s the world was a very bad place. Yes, that's probably <laughs> what it was. But it's like. You get to a point where you're just like, it's a nothing character. I know. She's the girl who five films from now would have died, but in this film sure. she just gets arrested. Like she's yes. the she's the expendable Bond girl. And and the unfortunate thing, and this also happens with Dr. No, is that the actor is really good. Like yeah. it's it's a decent performance as far as Bond girls go, and we're gonna talk about some oh, in the next oh, two movies. Oh, oh, oh. But it's like it's a decent <laughs> performance. I think they get the tone, they get the mood, they they kind of sacrifice like what any of their acting capabilities might be in service of what they're doing. That Sean Connery is the main point in the thing, and Doctor No, that actor is very good at being able to kind of present. You know, it, it's kind of that it's that great thing of, of like uh, in, that happens in movies sometimes where you you keep hearing about a character and you keep hearing about them and you're an hour and a half into the movie and you've just heard mm, yeah, little and it, whispers and seen glimpses and, and you builds that and when they finally yeah when they fear. finally show up, you're yeah. just like, there he is. And that's what I think allows for a scene like that dinner scene where it's just like. 15 minutes of exposition of Dr. No just being like, so this is how all of the things that you've learned over the past hour and a half are connected. And it's what, what I was doing. And so now I'm going to just lock you up and I'm going to go do this plan and I'll see you later. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it allows for that to not be as comical, especially right, at the moment right. when it came because out. But even now we can kind of forgive it. Cause we're like, right, Dr. No, we've been waiting for him to show up and this is his, and, this is his big moment. He's catching up on the screen time. He and hasn't he's, had. and he's, and he's scary. Like I, He's a creepy dude. He's a creepy dude. Like I, I wouldn't want to have dinner with him. Um, you know, I, I knew bad things were going to happen. Uh, that moment when 
uh, when Bond is like, because he's at dinner with 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 Honey, because Honey unwittingly gets dragged into this espionage drama when all she wants to do is collect seashells. Poor girl, it's so fucking ridiculous. <laughs> you know, um, this shell goes for fifty dollars in, in Maya. Like, yeah, exactly. In Malibu, like, what and are you then, talking and then about? he's like, "You're with me now, and and your life is very much in danger." And she's like, "I just wanted to like capture my shells, Get some shells, yeah." Um, and so. Also, there's like some really, there's two, these these really, really dark moments involving honey. One is when they're hiding out and they're, they're waiting to, to get access to how to get into Dr. No's lair. And mm-hmm. she's talking about her childhood and she traveled a lot. Her father was, you know, a, a, a biologist of, of some sort. Right. And then her father died, and then she lived with some dude, some mm-hmm. landlord dude, who was, like, letting her live there cheaply or maybe even free, and it worked out fine until one day he came up to her room in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. And then they don't explain what he did, no. but you know what you he know, did. You know, yeah. And I feel like that's something like that's from the novel. Like that—that yeah. that sounds like an Ian Fleming thing, not a James Bond. Not, movie yeah, thing. exactly. Because it's so cause Fleming dark. Fleming is much darker. Is it's, much is much more of a darker, cynical, yeah, twisted little dude. And it's like at whereas the, the movies kind of try and like shoot some like rainbow colors into like right. the weird shit that he's got going. Because at that point in the movie, it's almost like a little like James Bond had a little rom com meet cute with her on the beach, and then she gets unwittingly sucked into his spy plan, and then they're just getting to know each other and she's like yo my landlord raped me yeah and mm-hmm. i mean like and he to bond's credit he's horrified by this yeah but it's also just kind of like she's like yeah that happened and mm-hmm. then i fucking unleashed a spider on him ha 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 and then mm-hmm. later on when they're having dinner with dr no and bond is like look she has nothing to do with this this isn't fair let her go she's not involved and dr no is like you're right Guards, yeah. the guards can entertain her and they take her away and I'm like oh great she's being sent to get gang raped by Dr. No's yeah. guards and it's mm-hmm. just yeah, there. Dr. No becomes very unchill in that moment exactly. too where you're just like oh this is like a really bad dude like because yeah. he's been so proper his etiquette is on fleek like he, <laughs> yes. he is you know he's 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 tricking you like I love that they capture them and they scrub them down and all this stuff. And, they, and then all of a sudden they walk into a five-star hotel. And they're and it's like, just here, like, you're going to have breakfast right? and here's some delicious coffee. You must be tired. And yep. then they're fucking drugged. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's a real, it's a real like kind of. We've provided you know, clothes for you. We even researched what your clothing sizes were. Drugged. Yeah. yeah you have all this like attention to detail and this yeah. patient, this calmness, this friendliness, this demeanor that kind of shows like, I want you to join Inspector. But then all of a sudden, as soon as he's refused, he's just like, well, all right, then my guards are going to rape your friend and uh, I'm going to lock you up. I'm going to go do my thing uh, and like kill a bunch of people with a nuclear bomb and then I'll get back to you. Yeah. And and then like, it's just like, he's very business and he's Mm -hmm. almost just as like short and calm and proper in these like very violent acts, whether he's actually performing them or just ordering them as he is being like, yo, you want some, you want some food? Would you like a wine? Uh, You know, he's... That's kind of like a fun little thing about the Doctor No character, right? Uh, right, that he's you know, like he's the way he looks is fucking bad, but uh, I like the character. Yes, he's because he's because I mean, like that's what makes him creepy is he's so genteel and proper and even keeled, and then 
in that mode. He's like, well, all right, we're going to have my guards gang rape your friend. And Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to go and proceed with my killing everyone plan. Uh, yeah. and, uh, have a nice day. Have a nice day. Too bad for you, James. You could have been involved. Don't want to be. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. He's uh, just like, looks like you're missing out. Yeah, like, exactly. Uh, like, bye. Uh, I tried. Uh, now back to my evil plan to nuke everyone. Uh, but he's so even keeled. Like he doesn't even really raise his voice ever. No. Yeah. He's it's just, a good villain. It's a, it's good, a villain. Good, it's, good villain. It's it's a yeah. and it's a good kind of like you know. There's a little bit of Blofeld in there. There's a little bit of like some of the other villains mm-hmm. that we're going to get, mm-hmm. and it's kind of a fun prototype for like this kind of. It can this guy be a match for Bond, or or mm. can Bond be a match for this guy that we finally have met? Right. You know, and right. it's 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 an interesting dynamic to do especially in the next Bond movies where you're usually just introduced to the Bond villain relatively quickly. Right. And I think it's one of the reasons that a lot of people think that, you know, No Time to Die is a kind of sort of remake of Dr. No because Rami Malek would make a fucking killer-ass Dr. No. Oh, Uh, fuck yeah. Yeah. First off, he checks some ethnicity boxes that I think would be (laughs) required. Uh, Yeah, that would be nice. Uh, Yeah, he could be... uh... He didn't have. He wouldn't have to be Chinese German, but uh, no, no. Um, I'm saying you could make Rami Malek look Chinese, and that would be okay. Yeah, or you could no, just. I'm I just mean, kidding. no, no. Why did I agree to that? I'm a <laughs> yeah, horrible person. I'm so Rami Malek can do, but you know, but you know what? Like, I tricked you because Rami Malek could. He, I don't think that it would a, be okay, but no, he could he's do because it. he's a chameleon. He is a chameleon, yes. but. He's also, uh, I would call him ambiguously ethnic. So you could make him mm-hmm. into any sort of boogeyman you'd want. Very true. Is yeah. he uh, uh, an Al Qaeda terrorist type? Uh, mm-hmm. Is he? Um, you can you can make him look uh, super German. You can. You could, you could give him uh, the teeth that Johnny Depp used in the Willy Wonka movie to play <laughs> Freddie Mercury. Yes, perhaps, exactly, you know? exactly. Yeah. You know what? We need a fucking Indian Bond villain. That's that's you just said that. I mean, that's what we're getting. That's what we're getting. Yeah, we get Rami. Yeah. We get Rami. He's mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. License to kill. <laughs> uh, is there anything else that you want to touch on about Doctor No before we move on to Diamonds Are Forever? We can obviously uh, go back and forth and stuff, but we need I, to. I think it's time to switch gears. I agree. I will. I want to say one thing, and that is, of course, um, yes. They're in Jamaica, right? How come all the black dudes in Jamaica speak with American accents? And not just American <laughs> accents, but the really, really bad stereotype of American black South in the 1962 era. Yeah, there's some there's some weird stuff going on with some uh, pronunciations of words. Yeah, and, uh, yeah like that guy, uh, Quarrel, who helps them for a yeah. while until he mm-hmm. gets uh, firebombed to death by the dragon tank right mm-hmm. in front of them. And they're like, well, that's a shame. Um, that guy was like super loyal and super helpful, even though he was like, yo, we should not go to that island because it is scary as fuck. Mm-hmm. He's Jamaican, but he talks like he's a, a, a dude from, uh, you know, maybe Alabama 1962. And I'm just like, why? Why? Yeah. Why? Uh, uh, I'm like holding back impersonating it because I'm like, that's not good audio, but it is like a very... It's a very it's like a weird uh, accent. It's yeah. a very like um, it's a very slave plantation accent. Yeah, I was gonna say like he he sounds like a he sounds like 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 a cartoon bat or something <laughs> like that. Like I 
like like I like in Thief and the Cobbler or something from way back when. Yeah, like yeah. that there's just like and again I will not I refuse to do an impression of what this guy sounds like. But he does but not sound Jamaican. He does not sound Jamaican <laughs> and it, it very much sounds like are you playing like the voice of like an animated character? Like are we not supposed to see your face when you're doing this? Because it's it's really weird. It uh, is really weird. And it kept catching me off guard and I kept being like, I feel like I know this voice from somewhere. And I looked up the actor and I think it's just like this, it's this, like you say, it's the style of like, it's the dialect and the punctuation that he like, or like the pronunciation of stuff that he's doing that is reminding me of like a very deep rooted caricature that other people have done in other movies. Right. I mean, yeah, and, and I'm just like, is I was, that him? Is I, was him? I was sitting there being like, I don't understand. I was watching it with him, and I was like, I don't understand. They're in Jamaica. They're in Jamaica. There's a very, you can, I mean, the, the Jamaicans have an accent. Mm. And it's not like it's a hard accent to parse. No. Yeah. So, exactly. So so and Tim was like, oh, you know, it's 1962. <laughs> they probably were worried about people not being able to understand. I was like, but this is it's not a hard accent to parse. Mm-hmm. It's not, no. you know, and they instead they just like they, they were just like, nope, American American South. That's Go those that. are the black people in Jamaica. They're actually from the American South. And I just found it again. It wasn't like. It wasn't offensive the way Annabelle Chung or um, Dr. No in uh, uh, yellow face makeup. Is that is that what we're going to call it? That's what I'm going to call it. It's just it's, bad makeup. Yeah, but it's, it's, not, it's not terribly offensive in the same way, but it's also just strange. I'm like, why did you? It's an odd thing to do. Yeah, it's an odd like, thing to like. Why it's, did you again, send it's a different time, him... but it's still like you thought that that was cool. Like yeah. it's so fucking weird. It's really weird. It's, like, why you even... have human beings that can do that stuff without the makeup? Exactly. What are you doing? And like, and also, if you're gonna just cast a bunch of Black American actors to play Jamaicans, why do you gotta send them to Jamaica? Sure. Yeah. You don't have but to again, send them to Jamaica. But good movie. Fun movie. Oh yeah, no, I'm not I'm not yeah. saying that's a bad movie because of that. I'm just saying there there are just a few choices they made that I'm kind of like, huh. I don't know if that was necessary. Curious. Curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, in terms of setting the tone, setting the stage, saying this is like throwing down, like this is what a James Bond movie will be. Doctor No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Brilliant brilliant i mean you just you see so many seeds of things to come so you know i i i enjoyed it i thought it was really well done again it was it had been a long time since i'd seen it you know before so there were you know uh things like oh i didn't really i forgot that felix was in this movie right off the bat whatever you know um but i i was i was quite impressed just by you know again like you said earlier like if you even like if James Bond films didn't become a thing and that was just sort of a standalone, that is a perfectly acceptable it's action a fun adventure little espionage movie. Exactly, yeah. standalone. It's great. It's totally yeah. great. So, um, yeah, I enjoyed uh, it. Before moving on to Diamonds Are Forever, uh, I noticed finally watching all of these movies because I think these are the first times that I'm watching these specific movies in. HD, like, you know, Uh Blu-ray high definition. Mm -hmm. I have never noticed Sean Connery's tattoo. 
Oh my God. Yes. And yes. once I noticed it, Diana pointed it out to me in, in like one of the earlier scenes in Dr. No. She was like, does he have a tattoo or something right there? His arm looks green. And I was like, yeah, I just noticed that too. And yeah, he's got two tattoos on his, on his, uh, on his right forearm and they're there the whole time. And I'm watching Diamonds Are Forever and I'm watching Never Say Never Again. And I'm like, there it is. Yeah. They bar- they barely hide this goddamn thing, but I've never in all my years I didn't notice of it. watching I didn't, every Bond movie I did not multiple know. times, and I, and it, I've never noticed. And I assume that's just because Sean Connery has a tattoo. I yeah, he's got a he's got like a heart with a knife through it with a banner that says Scotland. Cool. Of course. And then he's got <laughs> and then he's got a, like a, a bird with another banner in its mouth that says Mum and Dad. That's cool. That's adorable. Those are his two tattoos. That is adorable. The other thing I want to say about Dr. Note before we move on is that um, I, and just because I, I, I have many friends from many walks of life and many countries in the world, and I know Sean Connery is Scottish, but James Bond is English, and I was uh, noticing how, um, how pronounced his... You know, he was trying very hard to cover up his Scottish accent. He, in Dr. No, in particular. Sure. He yeah, was, I he think was it, trying it, he to He loosens be, up as he goes Yes, he in. does. Yeah. He does. Because in that movie, it was just like, oh, he's, he's going full Brit. He's not even, this is not Sean Connery, the most famous Scotsman in the world, playing James Bond. This is, I'm Sean, I'm Sean Connery. I'm an actor. I've been asked to play a British spy. So I'm going to mm-hmm. talk like a British spy. And the only word that I noticed that he had a little trouble with was the word dragon when they're talking about whether there's a dragon or not. And he was just, mm-hmm. you can tell that he's very consciously thinking how to say the word dragon without mm-hmm. going into the brogue. But that was it. And then I, I was like, oh. Which know, is ironic because like- he would eventually play a dragon. Yeah. <laughs> in, in Dragon Heart. <laughs> Great movie. Oh, oh, I man! I'm gonna watch Dragonheart tonight. I'm gonna watch Dragonheart and like light a candle for Sean Connery, and that's gonna be my final. I got. I watched these movies. Uh, recorded this podcast, and now I will. I will send him away. I will send him away with Dragonheart. I I don't know. If Look that's... to the stars. Look to the stars. Oh my god. But no, yeah, you're yeah. definitely right that that his Scottish accent does kind of lean in more. And I know that Ian Fleming, I think we talked about this in the last episode maybe. Um where Ian Fleming eventually wrote into the books that uh his parentage was of Scottish descent. Right. And they um, and they based on the fact that Sean Connery was playing him and that he liked him playing him right. so much. And they and, and that's what they work into Skyfall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They make it the canon and you know whatever. Sure. Yeah. Um yeah, but it but was But it is interesting that he gave it a go in this first he round did. And to he, like and he, try and... and he did a decent job. I mean, I you know, he he it was just the word dragon. And it wasn't even like he pronounced <laughs> it wrong. It was just you could tell that he was thinking about it when he said the word. He yeah. was like, "Don't say it the way you want to say it." Yeah. I'm a dragon, Dennis Quaid. <laughs> I'm a dragon. <laughs> I'm the last one. <laughs> oh my god. Maybe I need to watch that one too tonight. I'm trying to remember who plays the. I think it's David Thewlis plays the uh, the villain in that. Uh, he plays like the whiny one that he splits his heart and gives it to like the kid. Oh my god! Yes. Oh wow. Is it David Thewlis or it is David Thewlis? Yes. Oh, and that's a Pete Postlewaite. 
Jason Isaacs. Oh, I can't wait to watch this movie. <laughs> oh, and of course, the uh, the love interest is played by uh, Dina Meyer. Hmm. Yes. You know Dina Meyer. Dina, Dina Meyer. Of course, Dina Meyer. The um, superstar Dina Meyer. The very famous Dina Meyer. Tucked right between Sean Connery and Pete Postlewaite. Because she's that famous. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Diamonds Are Forever. It was a film made in 1971. Oh, I got some stuff to say. Uh, I got some is... stuff to say. <laughs> so, uh, Dr. No was a Terrence Young. We mentioned Guy Hamilton was another go-to. Diamonds Are Forever is a Guy Hamilton. Terrence Young mm. dresses uh, Bond better than Guy Hamilton. That's my take. Yes, um, I would agree. Yes, yes. This movie... This is, is where you get, you get Bond in that, like, you get Tuxedo Bond. You get a lot of Tuxedo yes, Bond. Yes, you get a lot of Tuxedo one. Bond. This is an aged Bond, just a little bit. I, um, I will say, I, you know, I watched Dr. No, and then the next day I watched Diamonds Are Forever, and the first thing I thought was, and please, please forgive me wherever you are in the universe right now, Sean Connery. The first thing I thought was, he, he got a little chunky. He got a little chunky. Uh, I don't, I don't dislike it, but I was just mm-hmm. like, mm, okay, all right. I mean, he got I think little, that he also uh, got a little he of didn't that, think that middle age spread going. Yeah, I mean. he didn't. I don't think that he thought that he was ever going to come back to Bond, and in fact, he did it twice. Uh, right. Like, is he? Right. He right. left after you only lived twice, um, and then George Lazenby got the part. George Lazenby infamously was signed a seven picture deal. Uh, made on Her Majesty's Secret Service, which I think is one of the best I really, uh, Bond I, movies. I quite it's a, like it's a, that movie. It's I a think very it's good very, movie. Very good. He's a very decent Bond for that interpretation that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he refused to come back for more. He wasn't really an actor. He conned his way into it. It's a very interesting, fascinating story. Right, he was like a model, right? Yeah, yeah, and he just like lied and said he was an actor and just like faked a bunch of movies on his resume and, and I, got the most sought after part in Hollywood. Right, and I also, I, 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 you know, in, in, in doing Bond research, I do know that he wasn't received very well as Bond, and that makes me sad. Not at the time. Yeah, yeah that makes and me sad Honor Majesty's I... Secret Service wasn't, yeah, wasn't received very well at the time. Which is a shame, because I think it's one then, of the best. Since then, like we've seen, it's yes. The, it's one of the best? It's one of the best. It's one of the best, it's yeah. One of the best. It's, one of the, it's very fast. It's very fast. It's one of the best. I think it's one of the best Bond films that they've made. Easily. Yeah. yeah. One of, probably in my top five, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um... It's definitely my favorite George Lazenby uh, Bond movie. Mine too. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, so uh, he would not return. They tried to get a bunch of people. This is where that famous uh, trying to hire an American Bond came from. Burt Reynolds, different people like that. Everyone said no because most people were like, Bond has to be British. Right. Um, they got the dude. I can't remember his name off the top of my head and I don't want to look it up because that's cheating. Um, but they got the dude who played Julius Caesar in Spartacus. He played... Um, uh, Julie Lee's uh, uh, boyfriend or husband in Psycho. They got him and he was gonna do it. And then they were just like, absolutely not. Broccoli was like, absolutely not. Hmm. And they offered Sean Connery a shit ton of money. I think like $3 million to come back. Mm-hmm. And, he's like, and, and he's like, all right. He made a deal that uh, I think he signed a three picture deal, which he eventually backed out of on the contract. Mm-hmm. $3 million. And if they went over budget... Uh, he would get paid an additional $150,000 a week. The mm. movie was made on budget uh, mm. and on time. <laughs> Pro- uh, 
And so that's kind of the story of just like why you have one movie in between You Only Live Twice and Diamonds Are Forever that doesn't feature Sean Connery as Bond. Right. Then this is his last this Bond is his movie last Bond, yes. proper. Yes. Yeah, this is his last movie the proper. The last in the in the official Bond canon. <coughs> this is the last uh Sean Connery as Bond in the official films. Um I remember that I texted you after I saw it, and I, I, I think I might have been very melodramatic and said that I felt Diamonds Are Forever might have scarred me a little bit. Um, but I also said, and it, it, it's fitting because we talked about Live and Let Die in our our last um, uh, iteration of this. I was going to say shit show, but that's rude. Um, yeah, that's a little rude. You know, it's my show. You know, whatever. Whatever. I'm, I am easily fifty to sixty-five percent responsible for all of that drunken mess. Uh, At the end of the day, day, I let it happen. So you can't. You you could have cut me off. You could exactly. I, I I have the power. Um, but I do remember I texted you and I said I can easily because especially the movie ends and then the credits it says James Bond will return in Live and Let Die and like a light bulb went off in my head and I was like oh I completely see how Diamonds Are Forever are is is the precursor to the Roger Moore era of the Bond films where things got a little sillier um you know Bond got a little posher and uh, it was it's less of like a believable spy espionage action movie and more of just kind of like, I'm James Bond and I'm very suave and I'm going to wisecrack my way through this film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they, they take some of the brutishness away and they increase the suave. Yes. And that's and that's what they do. And that's, you know, that's why you get people who. You know, before the Brosnan and the Craig thing happened, right? You know, you had your Moores and your Conneries. Very, uh, very, uh, not very often were Lazenby and Dalton even brought into the conversation, right? Even though Dalton, there wasn't really that break between uh, Moore and Dalton. There wasn't like your typical like between Dalton and Brosnan. There was about like a five year gap where mm-hmm. they weren't really doing anything. And it's the same thing between Brosnan Die Another and, yeah, Day. Exactly. And, yeah. This was like mm-hmm. you know, and the same with Live and Let Die, like. That just, bam, comes out two years later. Yep. Uh, I think that they had every intention of Connery being in that part. I think and so, too. And he's just like, he's just like, I'm not going to do it, dragon. Yeah. And he, <laughs> and they just, they just went on and, and Roger like, Moore was considered for James Bond as it always happened. Roger Moore was considered for James Bond and Dr. No. And mm-hmm. it went to Sean Connery. Mm-hmm. And so the next time it comes around, uh, he was considered for Outer Majesty's Secret Service. Lazenby got it. He was considered for Diamonds Are Forever. Connery got it, and when Connery was just like, "I've had enough," fuck you, dragon. Uh, he, <laughs> he just, he, it's not going away. No, I know it's okay. They finally I love go it. like, okay. all right, Roger Moore, let's do this. And yeah. so Roger Moore, and Roger Moore notoriously has the most bomb movies to his credit. He's got seven, he whereas does. Connery has um, six, six. Which you and you because you cannot include Never Say Never Again. You can't, mm-hmm. unfortunately, because no. that would make it. That would make it seven. That would make but, it seven, but it's that's no. an edge case. Um, and I think that uh, Craig is about to hit six as well, right? Five. Is it five? It's five. It's Casino Royale. I always forget that there's not one between Quantum of Solace and Skyfall. 
Ah, I always think yeah. that there's one between there. No, it's it was this Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, Skyfall, Spectre, and then this. Uh, and now we get yeah. no time, no, no time to die. No time to die. And I uh, tangentially, I will say, uh, Casino Royale, brilliant. Quantum of Solace, okay. Skyfall, okay. fucking brilliant. Spectre, Great. very disappointing. So I'm hoping that I go this... so far as to say it's trash. I oh mean, yeah, no, 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 no. I'm so glad I, you. Yes, it's trash. I rewatched it recently because the first time I watched it, I was just like, "The fuck is this?" Yeah. But I was in a bad mood, you know. I was. I went to the theater on opening day because Donald I was Trump like, was president. Yeah. I wasn't really happy. I was. I was like. So... I was like. Skyfall was brilliant. Spectre is gonna be brilliant. And I went to the theater on opening day. I watched it, and I was like, "This is a piece of shit." Yeah, and I'm mad. and unfortunately those movies back to back very much are the Sam Mendes issue. Mm-hmm. You have two mm-hmm. Sam Mendeses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have two of them. One can be absolutely amazing and thrilling and great no matter what he's doing, and the other one, oh dear, ma- makes Revolutionary mm-hmm. Road. Yeah, you know, like it's just, you're just kind of like, what the fuck are you doing? I just recently watched that. I had never seen Revolutionary it. Revolutionary Road. I'd never yeah. seen it, and then I read some. Um, article about it and I was like why haven't I seen this movie and then I watched it and I was like mm, that's why I haven't seen this movie yeah there's there's an odd uh, amount of like uh, fanfare for Revolutionary Road now there's a lot of defenders like crawled out from under some rocks I think and that's we're just why like, Revolutionary Road is a good movie actually here's a think piece on it and, and I, like, I think that's what's, what? what sucked me into watching it and then as I was watching it I was like what the fuck is this this is like this is a big budget movie but it feels like a low rent madman and what yes. are you, and what are you what are you what what are you doing, Kate and Leo? Why? Yeah, you are better than I this. I feel like I feel like you know I'm fairly certain, ninety nine point nine percent sure this doesn't actually happen in the movie Revolutionary Road. But my memory of it reminds me of like when I it, it I remember watching the movie and seeing uh, crew members like in the frame or like mics like kind of <laughs> dropping in above. I know that that's not what happens in the movie, but it has that feeling to it where it's just like it feels like this thing was just tossed together yes. real quickly. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. people weren't really paying attention to like what the finished product was going to be. Right, and it was Michael Shannon's great in it though. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And and uh, and uh, I will never, I will never speak ill of Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates, no. And even the two mains, like Leo's going for some stuff. Kate Winslet's doing everything. They it's are, just, they're none doing, of it's wor- none exactly. of it's working together. They're doing the best they can. They are doing the best yeah. they can. Um, where were we? We'll where, make this where? episode a Revolutionary Road episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so diamonds are forever, and I diamonds and, are forever. and and that was the thing. And then you and I had a very brief text exchange, and I was trying not to talk too much about it because I wanted to save it for this. But we did discuss briefly over text about how when you don't have the context of the films that came between Doctor No and Diamonds Are Forever. And then you watch Doctor No, and the next night you watch Diamonds Are Forever. Diamonds Are Forever feels very jarring. Because so much of the characterization of Bond and the style of the filmmaking and the style of the storytelling has changed over the past five, was it five films? Four films. It would be, there's, there's, uh, there's three in between them. Three. Uh, four, four. Yeah, because it's, yeah, From Russia With Love. Uh, I'm an accountant. Goldfinger. That's Thunderball. Shameful. You Only Live Twice. I should be able to count. Yeah, so there's four there's, uh, there's four, four films in between them, but there's also there's Honor also, Majesty's Secret Yeah, there's Service. also Lazen- Lazenby, right. Um so 
so yeah, it's just it's very it's a it's just it was a very jarring contrast because as we said, Doctor No, it's a great espionage action thriller, uh, you know, not necessarily like ooh fun. And then Diamonds Are Forever is just like, let's, it's fun. Let's go to the circus. We'll go <laughs> yes. to the circus in this movie. And there's like a, 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 a big fucking hotel, the White House, which obviously is Trump Tower, except Donald Trump didn't exist back then. So I guess it's supposed to be Howard Hughes. But still, I'm watching it. I'm mm-hmm. like, this is fucking Trump Tower. Uh, and and it's like, it's just weird. You seem to like, is there something that you don't like? Do you like not like Trump Tower or mm. you seem really uh, like, you know, yeah, no, I you don't got, like I, really uh, enthusiastically. No, uh, Trump Tower. Uh, uh, I've worked in hotels for most of my career and Trump Tower oh, is, a, is a shit hotel. That's yes. the only that's that's my antipathy towards Trump Tower. Right, because I, I can't a, imagine why you would have just such like a uh, such like a, a grievance. Oh yeah, no, it's you just you know it's with Trump Tower, a, the Trump industry it's, in some it's, way. Yeah, no, it's a shit hotel, is what it oh, is. Oh okay, yeah, no, that makes just, sense. That, yeah, I've never that, been myself, and that, but and that hurts my heart. Right. Um. So. Uh, yeah, it's diamonds are forever. It's just like there's just crazy shit going on in this movie. It's a wild little. I remember, and I remember when you sent me the text. I was like, "Just wait till you watch Never Seen Ever Again." Like, and I was, if you yeah. think this is wild, <laughs> oh, you're, you're yeah. gonna. There's some shit that's yeah. about to go down. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I was, I'm watching it, and I was just like, "Okay, this is very silly." And but it is interesting because again, it's another example of a film where, for a lot of you know, a lot of the movie, James Bond is pretending to be somebody else. He's pretending to be uh, Frank's Peter Frank's. Mm-hmm. And, yes. you know, he's talking with uh, um, Jill St. John, Tiffany, Ms. Tiffany Case, who um, I actually think in the in the vein of, uh, you know, Bond girls, she's she's kind of cool because she kind of is doing her own thing. And she's, you know, she's not necessarily, uh, you know, hanging on to bonds every word she's got her own agenda she's got complications in her life she's got complicated loyalties she's an interesting bond girl uh and then there's plenty o'toole um i sent you the i sent you a video mm -hmm, of of her mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when she's just like uh Mm -hmm. like why don't we go to the why don't we go get a, a drink yeah and i'm like uh, you weren't supposed to say it like that, I don't think. It sounds like you forgot the line. Yeah. And I was like, do you want to take it again? Yeah. Um, no, no. It's a... No, she This just... movie has a lot of, like, if Dr. No has 70% of the things that would eventually make a good bomb movie or what a bomb movie is, Diamonds Are Forever really has all of the things that are about to be put into place throughout the Roger Moore era that, that are start bad. to... That are bad. That are bad in opinion, like, you know, that start to diminish the sincerity of what the Connery that's movies very, were doing, that's very you know? Well put. That's very And well it's put, like, yes. they are fun for their own way. And it, it, it is a lot of fun in uh, Skyfall or in even Inspector when when uh, Daniel Craig starts getting his Roger Moore on a little bit and starts <laughs> being a little winky and mm-hmm. a little goofy. Mm-hmm. Like, that's fun. It's even better, like, with Brosnan, where Brosnan really was kind of, like, this combination of, like, the really dark Timothy Dalton shit 
and like the super sexy suave like brutality of connery mm-hmm. but he also did have all of that goofball stuff right you know right. that roger moore had and, and that is why it is arguable that brosnan was like one it is like the best bond I because he really he, does have all of the elements exactly. of all of them in he, one he melded them very well you get you yeah. get a very uh you know a very uh well-rounded well uh characterized yeah uh, iteration of Bond in and in it's the just Brosnan it's just era. unfortunate that like he really because Goldeneye is the only movie that you really get. That. I agree. Yeah, and tomorrow the other three like it's all of a sudden he's just like, well, I guess I'm coasting. Well, I now. guess I have you know because tomorrow I guess never I have dies. An invisible car. Yeah, <laughs> and they just they rely on a bunch of other stuff too much. Like Goldeneye really always felt like the only one that he really cared to try Here's and impress John Cleese us for some with reason. what he was doing. Yeah. And I think that that's the only one that he really did. But it's so impressive what he's doing. Yeah. Well, yeah. We are on a day. No, you do. You have a... Um, so, but, di- but diamonds are so, forever. Because I, mean, I must you know, remind you, unfortunately, the, the we are on a time clock here. Because I have, I have another podcast after this because I'm a podcast boy. Um, so let's, let's, let's get what we want to talk about diamonds are forever out there. Oh, are they, okay. So the other thing I was going to say, so Blowfield, Blowfield, um, extremely stupid. And it's mm-hmm. blasphemous to say that because he's maybe the most famous Bond villain in the history of Bond movies. Um, but here is why he is stupid. Uh, he sure. is stupid because in the last 20 minutes of the film, when... Um, uh, Jimmy Dean has identified where Blowfield's secret, it's another nuclear movie, uh, secret nuclear lair is in Baja, California, and they go there, and um, he could very easily, Blowfield, he could very easily have killed Bond several times in that section, but instead he says, Ha ha, I know you were going to try to switch the cassette, but I'm stopping you and my evil plan to make a laser diamond, diamond laser, didn't really fully understand that either, to be honest. Uh, That's going to happen, so sucks for you, James. And uh, I'm also going to explain in uh, great detail what else is going to happen and um, put him in the brig. And... uh, I'm not military. I know you have a military background. The brig, as I understand it on, you know, in, in a naval context, is basically prison. They put Bond in a storage closet. Mm-hmm. A storage closet where he immediately discovers he can unscrew this, like, porthole in the bottom and climb out. Mm-hmm. And it's, not a very, it's, it's not a very sealed room. No, it's not. It's not a brig. Um, and it's, it's just, it's, it's, I just don't, I, I was watching it. I was like, what? Blow, Blofeld, come on, man. Like you're the Bond villain. And this mm-hmm. was your idea that Bond was going to show up and you were just going to put him in the storage room for a while while you, you know, did your thing. So, um, that was the moment when I was starting to I, I started to to just think a lot about the Bond villains that I remember in my uh, my my experience of the the Bond film oeuvre, as it were, mm-hmm. and I was like, is this is this just a Bond villain problem? 
Is this yeah. uh, is this just what happens? I mean, I think it's why this is really the last, really one of the last times that we see Blofeld because it, it is kind of like a case of they're just, he's been in so many movies and, you know, the the Thunderballs, the Goldfingers, the, the You Only Live Twice, these things like with Blofeld being referred to with the cat and everything, they stretched it out mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. You Only Live Twice was the big payoff. Like that was now you see his face. He's portrayed by Donald Pleasance. It's really cool. It's where you get that iconic look from. Right. And then they do it again in uh, Honor Majesty's Secret Service where they're trying to create more of like a like an origin story type thing uh, that he's still around. And then this one's kind of like a revenge story on that if you want to connect them like in a canon like that. And they just, I think that they realize like we have to stop with Blofeld because we're just... Every time you rehire a new actor, every time that you're introducing a new thing that he's doing, there's only so many times that Blofeld can be foiled by Bond, whether it's through number twos, number threes, or him himself. (laughs) And it just starts to diminish the qualities of the character that make him such a a worthy adversary for Bond. And that's why when they bring him back in Spectre, you're just kind of like... Guys, like, we don't need to do this. Just no. make new villains. That's, like, ex- just... that's exactly how I felt when the big reveal in Spectre, when they, re- when they revealed that it was Blofeld. And, yeah. and they had to th- throw in the little shot of the cat because it's Blofeld. Yeah. And I was like, eh. And then the thing. And he's I'm like, like I'm, your, I'm your brother and we have daddy issues. <laughs> exactly. And I was like, wait, no, not this evil twin foster brother. Daddy loved you more. <laughs> and like, I don't know. And then also, you know, like, because Skyfall is one of my favorite Bond films of all time. And it's like Spectre took everything that was interesting about Skyfall and ruined it. Because it's like, oh, mm-hmm. Silva is actually a part of Spectre. And I was like, well, no, what made Skyfall interesting is that the Bond villain didn't care that much about Bond. Bond was yes. his obstacle to getting yes. M. It's, and that's that what made it interesting. That is the cool part. And that is the, that is the unfortunate thing that makes Spectre just not a very good movie and actually right. makes it kind of a bad movie. Right. Is that it tries to redefine the past like three movies by being all connected when it's just like you don't need to do it that was like unnecessary. i get i get why they would go there because specter connects a lot of the bomb movies and a lot of the bond villains and stuff right but you're obviously doing this after the fact right. like there is no way that silva was working for the same organization that lashif and mr white were like just stop yes stop it. exactly you know? like exactly stop they can it. be like Mr. White can be working for Spectre and he can be pulling the strings on all these things. But to say that he was the one that was and that Blofeld was the one that was involved in all these. And that's and I think that's really a, that's a good conversation to have when we cover, you know, when when eventual when the eventual Bond 25 is released. And upon we the can. World, yes. And we can do it. We can kind of into that. Yeah. Cover our Craigs and stuff like that mm-hmm. and revisit Casino Royale and really talk in depth about those guys. Right. But I think you are correct that I agree 100 percent that the Blofeld character in this by the very end, like he's just being like whipped around like a wrecking ball, mm-hmm. uh, completely <laughs> helpless in this tank. Mm-hmm. And it, it just becomes kind of laughable where you can't really take this villain seriously. Right. Because and then it's also like. Yeah, he's dead, obviously. You would die if you were in a, a mini submarine and you got smashed into a bunch of shit. Sure. I would assume he's dead, but then obviously he's not because he's Blofeld. 
Um, so there's that. There's all. I mean, there's a lot of like just straight up silly things that happen. Like there's that whole thing where Bond comes across the lab and he gets into the moon vehicle. Yes. And he uh to escape. He's he's been detected as uh, infiltrating this lab, and to escape, he gets in the moon vehicle and he busts through a wall of the lab, and then he drives away in the moon vehicle. And this is quite possibly the stupidest thing I've ever seen James Bond do, and it made my heart hurt a little bit. Mm-hmm. I was like, "What? What, James?" Now we haven't even talked about one of the film's most special attributes. Mm-hmm. And that is Mr. Kidd and Mr. Went. Oh, yes. The world's oddest hitmen. Uh, they're odd. Mr. Mr. Went and Mr. Kidd are a, 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 a pair of eccentric hitmen who like to kill people in over-the-top ways, such as scorpions and cakes and bombs. And this is and, all uh, in dropping our espionage you, movie. Yes, dropping you into a pipeline with a mouse. It's great. That is <laughs> that is so over the top ridiculous that I was just like, oh, that's cool. They like build the pipe around him and then he wakes up in there. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And it's 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 a nice mirroring too. Like watching these two movies back to back with Dr. No, you're like, oh, he's got like a diehard pipe scene in that too where he's climbing through the hot ventilation. Right, right, and right, right. All three of these movies are, are also like, uh, like wet movies. Yes, uh, like that's they take very place true. On islands or in water and stuff like that, very which is true, funny. Very true. Very true. Um, it is. Uh, uh, Wint and Kid are uh, notoriously on the internet. Um, they are <laughs> thirsty on main for each other, as it is said that it, you know they hold hands at one point. They have a couple of uh, sexual innuendos that are used throughout, and it mm-hmm. is inferred that they are in a relationship or at the very least uh, in love with one another in some way. In some However, way. they decide to uh, express that to each other as their business. <laughs> um, but it's a very, it's really, it's really odd that in the, in like, this is like 1971, mm-hmm. the idea of, you know, a, a homosexual pair of hitmen in a bomb movie is is not treated with the usual like kind of funny fare, which is I why I think maybe they didn't do it intentionally. Mm-hmm. I think they're more just kind of uh, like mm, just like saying a couple things and doing a couple things that are funny or goofy and not realizing the subtext that they're creating right. that is very easy to link into now. Right, right, unintentional homoeroticism. Yes, yeah, uh, my favorite, my favorite kind. It's my favorite kind too. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, as a straight person. <laughs> Unintentional homoeroticism <laughs> is the one that I get the most joy out of. <laughs> I don't get uh, intentional. I'm just kind of like, oh, right, right, sure. Yeah. That's got nothing to do with me. <laughs> right. Well, thank you, but no. Um, mm-hmm. Like, call me by your name. Unintentional homoeroticism. Love that movie. <laughs> that movie has no idea how gay it is. It's great. It's great. Uh, I did finally see it, and uh, and uh, I loved it, and it made me cry, and it made God, me such a good just, movie. It's so good. It's such so good. A good movie. It's so good. Um, yeah. Uh, like imagine Wint and Kid played by Army Hammer and Timothy Chalamet. I that then Come at on. that point I want the movie Come to on, stop man. being about James Bond, and I want sure. it to be about Wint and Kid. I mean, it is great. Like after you get done with that Blofeld stuff, and then you do get that final scene with Wint and Kid at the end yeah. with like. The bomb, and they're like, and the piece de resistance, 
boom bust cake yeah. and you're just like okay great yep all right that's that's cool and then he just like lights the skewers on fire and like slowly starts going towards him <laughs> there's there's stuff about this movie that is uh, a lot of fun it's definitely entertaining in the sense that you know it's not like other connery bonds and like like you have said it's much more a precursor to what bomb was about to become with kind of just like the heightened mm-hmm. energy and the comedy and the kind of suaveness turned up mm-hmm. and the and the brutish nature kind of toned down and the, and the winking to the camera and the you know there's there's a lot of um yeah there's just a lot of tongue yeah. tongue in cheek stuff going yeah. on in this movie and plenty plenty O'Toole I'm sure you are your hus- <laughs> your father's name <laughs> It's like okay she's she's I I I don't, where did they find this woman. Why did they? I mean, she's. uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Um, I don't know. What else? What else we got here in Diamonds Are Forever? Diamonds Uh, Are Forever. You got. You got. You got some notes and stuff. You got. got got I mean, like my my the the biggest thing that I struggled with. I I struggle with a lot in Diamonds Are Forever, but um, the evil plan, like the the plan that Blofeld had. Mm-hmm. I don't understand it, and and like I think he was just blowing shit up. Blowing I, shit I, I really up, don't like, think it's yeah. But there were diamonds. I mean, diamonds are a huge part of the plot. There were diamonds that were stolen, and then there were fake diamonds that were used as a decoy. While Bond went looking for the real diamonds, and he posed as a diamond thief for a while, and Tiffany mm-hmm. Case is like, "I need to get those diamonds back." Diamonds, 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 and then it's like the diamonds are in space. Mm-hmm. And the movie ends like after they 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 uh, they do away with their um, hitmen waiters, and then there's this like you know the big jokey ending of the film where Tiffany is like, I I I didn't want to have to ask this. It's a tough thing to ask in any relationship, but how in the hell are we gonna get those diamonds back down? Exactly, and it's like so. The diamonds are because, in space. Because, uh, Rhea, I, I'm not sure if you understand this, so allow me to mansplain it to you for just a second. Okay, um, all right. I deserve that because I'm a woman. Women like diamonds. Oh, they do. Um, oh, that's right. We do. Because they make them feel pretty. And that's without... Cor- that's correct. We do. Yes. yes. W- without without mm-hmm. tangible objects to make women feel pretty, they don't really have any self-evaluation of their own worth. Right. Um. So yes. that's that's what the joke is getting. Not, jo- yeah. I, don't, I don't mean mm-hmm. to like be one of those people that's just like talking down to you, but like that's... But I, but I deserved you know, it because I didn't. I could tell that I, you didn't get uh, it. I didn't so. get it. No, it's true. So I needed, I needed that, and uh, as most women do, because uh, we don't <laughs> oh, get God. things. We don't, we don't get things. Um, I'm a except for I'm diamonds. A, yes, <laughs> if you're we lucky. Do, if we're lucky. Yes. If you're lucky. <laughs> yes. Oh, if only. Uh, I'm a, I'm a horrible, horrible person. Um. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. I mean, like this just this movie is just crazy. There's a circus. There's there's an indoor there's circus, an indoor which circus. is like cool, yeah, but like exactly. There's, right. there's James Bond with a lot of cool gadgets from Q, like scaling buildings and mm-hmm. and shit like that. Like it's very gadget heavy. It's very like this is this is like a this is like a well done Q. Good job, you know. Like you gave mm-hmm. him pretty much everything he needed to do what he needed to do, as always, as always. And so it's like it's very gadget heavy, and uh, you know. And then there's Jimmy Dean and Bambi and Thump. And I'm like, it's just, it's wild. This is a wild movie. 
It's a wild one. It's a yeah, wild and, one. And the Bambi and Thumper scene, like, yeah, I'd love to touch on that real quickly. Yes. I think it's just such a, you know, Bond, we've talked about before, like, Bond always, uh, especially in the later years, they kind of take whatever's hip and they do it, like, skiing, parkour, mm-hmm, different mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, obviously in this, it's, like, like gymnastics. Acrobatics. Acrobatics yes. in, in, like, the in the late 60s and early 70s kind of became this thing that was like seen as cool because it was like a thing that like you know uh especially like younger women could do like starting from like a younger age mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. could be like a very uh primarily like female oriented like kind of sport right and right so they're just like well there are women in bond movies so we'll just get two we'll just get two like uh, they're just gonna have some fun and i just love that they're like i'm bambi i'm thumper there's no flower uh and then and they just trade off they're just like yeah, they just i'm gonna up. kick but the shit out of you that's my favorite part and now is that it's they your are, like, turn they're thumper. working in, and now yeah. it's your turn bambi and it's and now happens, it's your turn thumper <laughs> if this had happened in another movie that didn't also have wint and kid another pair <laughs> that are like finishing each other's sentences and doing things in tandem together, I'd be like, oh, that's cool. One's like the other. But the fact that they both take place in the same movie and have nothing at all to do with one another is insanely odd. Yes, it is. Like that Bambi and Thumper are like the ones guarding Jimmy Dean down in like locked in the basement and stuff like that. It's just really wild. Right. Like, and then, it's like, like when, why are they the ones doing they, that unless you knew Bond was going to be the guy and then that, they, like, showed up to save They him. find Jimmy Dean and he's like, oh, I see you've met Bambi and Thumper. And, yeah, what does that mean? What you does know, that and mean? Like, he's, like, he's like, oh, ha, ha. And, and Bond is like, yes, I've been spending some quality time with them. And, and they beat the shit out of him. They do. They beat the shit out of him. There's no way. They do it so much and they overcome him so much at every turn can't that even. the only way that they can get out of it by him winning is to just record scratch and stop and say, like, all right, and then he pushes their heads under and that's it. Yeah. Because like it, it, they, they just beat the shit they do. I, I so kinda, I kind of loved it. I, I was, love it. it was so There's good. something about seeing James Bond just get the shit kicked out of him by these two women that you're just like, this is good for about five minutes. I'm into this. Yeah. Keep it going. Yeah. Keep it going. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know what else I can say about this except, except, you know, I, 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 I watched it and I was like, I see where Bond is going now. And then the closing credits happened and they said Bond will return and live and let die. And I was like, of course, of course he will. Of course. And of course that is the movie he will return in. And that explains so much. Um, I mean, perfect, perfect segue to getting into uh, never, the last yes, movie. Never Say Never Again. Never um, Say Never Again, you, 1983. Yes. Remake. Came out. Yep. Remake of Thunderball. Uh, A remake of Thunderball. I directed want... by Irvin Kirshner, the director of The Empire Strikes Back. No, I didn't yes. know that detail. Irvin oh, Kirshner wow. is one of my favorite directors. He's an insanely weird dude. Uh, he got Empire Strikes Back just because George Lucas like learned from him in film school and like looked up to him as a mentor and was like, I trust you to do this. I can't direct the second one because I'm too busy doing all this other shit. Right. Irving Kirshner, uh, I've said it many times on other episodes of this podcast and different shows. There is a commentary on the Empire Strikes Back of Irving Kirshner that was recorded in like the late 90s 
and he is an absolute dream. He's just talking about how much fun it was to make. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, I thought it'd be funny if R2-D2 would stand on his tippy toes to peek in. And they said that the robot couldn't do that. So I asked them to make it so that he could do it. And they worked all night and got it for this one shot. And I think it looks great. And then he's just like, <laughs> Darth Vader is all dressed in black. And he's obviously the bad guy. Not a whole lot you got to do there when you're shooting him. And you're just like, this is great. This, this is fantastic. fantastic. So Irvin Kirshner is the one that is tapped three years after Empire Strikes Back to to, to direct do... Sean Connery's uh, uh uh, stealing of uh, right. the Bond stuff. This right. came out the same year as Octopussy. Yes. This is before the end of Roger Moore's run, getting right. towards the end there. Right. And there's there's um, there's there's some there's a, a big plot point in this movie is that Bond is kind of old. And it's funny because yep. Sean Connery is actually at this point in time younger than Roger Moore was and he was yes. the incumbent Bond. So that's funny. Yes. Um I, I went looking into this today because I was like, why did they remake Thunderball when Connery was already in Thunderball? And um, I don't know how much you know about the that backstory, but um, mm-hmm. uh, I guess it's just Fleming was... Thunderball was supposed to be the first Bond movie, and they, yep. they Fleming was working on a treatment with a couple of screenwriters, um, and then it got held up in development because they were like, this is going to be fucking expensive. And Ian Fleming was like, but this is such a great story. I'm going to write a Bond novel about it. And then he got Mm -hmm. taken to court for plagiarism. And then that became a thing. And then they were trying to safeguard the screenwriter. Was it Kevin McClory? I was going to say McCrory. Um, So they were like, okay, if we make Thunderball, you will be the producer of Thunderball because they just didn't want him to make Thunderball on his own. And then you got 10 years and then you can do whatever the fuck you want with this. That was the settlement mm-hmm. they came to. And so um, Kevin McClory was so obsessed with his own story that he was like, well, fuck it. I'm going to make my own Thunderball. Right. And and it's it's important to like remember that or, or to consider that their whole thing with the 10 year stuff was at this point, Goldfinger was the biggest movie ever. James Bond was huge. They had Sean Connery. They were like, you can make another Thunderball. You can do whatever the hell you want 10 years from now because their thinking was we're making Thunderball right now at the height of Bond's popularity. You're never going to be able to make it. No one would be crazy enough to do that. How could you possibly do it without Sean Connery? And then you won't be able to do it. And the crazy bastard did it. Yeah. Like that's the most impressive thing about it is that he he fucked him. He fucked him good. (laughs) But it's also like, but it's, it's, and then I, there's, there's, there's two things about it that I, number one, it's so low rent. Uh, the opening title sequence. Oh, it's an insanely like, cheap, it looks, cheap looking it looks, movie. It looks like a direct-to-video disaster. They couldn't use the Bond theme. They couldn't use the Bond logo. They couldn't do the gun, you know, looking through the gun barrel. They couldn't do any of that. They couldn't just had the opening graphic is like a bunch of 007s, uh, yeah. you know. And um, and then the other thing I was reading about it was apparently uh, McClory was so obsessed with his own fucking story that he wanted to do Thunderbolt, Thunderball 2 mm-hmm. when Timothy Dalton was Bond. And he was like, I think we need to do Thunderball 2. Or it was called something. It was called Thunderball 2000 AD. It had some sort of ridiculous sure, sequel yeah. title. And he's like, we're going to yeah, do Kevin, it. Kevin gonna... McClory is a weird guy. Yeah, like, he was first and really, foremost, let's get this out yeah, there. Yeah, really obsessed with his own story, his own Bond story. And he wanted to do it with 
with Timothy Dalton, the sequel. And then finally, like, MGM was like, no, we're putting a stop to this. You are stop. ridiculous. Knock it off. And so, you know, his, his, you know, like, McClory did not win against MGM. He got shut down. Then he died. But it's like somewhere in there, like, the, the, the <laughs> yeah. fact that he died and apparently, like, the way that the rights worked out in the original Thunderball plagiarism settlement was he got he got rights to certain story aspects. So we haven't seen Blofeld or Spectre in a long time. And then McClory dies and MGM works with his estate to get those rights back. And that's why they were able to make mm-hmm. Spectre. Yep. The Craig movie. That's how mm-hmm. it timed out. So I was like, this is wild. This is just absolutely wild. Then you watch the movie and you're just like, what? You know, like a huge, like, like the first half hour of the movie is like, God, James, you're getting old. We're going to send you to a health spa and make you work out a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. and Which uh, is like the same stuff as Skyfall. Yeah, exactly. Go to a chiropractor. You know, like, and he, of course he bangs the chiropractor because he's James Bond. He has to. And uh, and it's it's and then it's like and then it's like he gets, you know, he gets inadvertently sucked into a thing. But like he's battling M the whole time, and M is just kind of like, You're fucking useless. I hate yeah. you. I yeah. don't want to be talking to you. You're old. The double O sector is stupid. Go the fuck away. I've cut Q's budget. I don't want to deal with you. Like, yeah, it's, it's like there's a lot movie. of there's a lot of Skyfall in this movie, which is very fascinating. And it's it's I don't yeah. think it's accidental. I think somebody saw this and was like. You know, because one of my biggest beefs with the Craig movies is that, like, in his third movie, they're just like, he's getting old. And right. it's like, it's his third movie. It's his third what movie. the hell are you and talking Casino about? And Casino Royale was supposed to be about his first big mission. Exactly. You're just so like, everybody like, calm down. There? Yeah. Calm like, down. You know? And so, it, I, obviously, they would go to, like, the one where it's like, well, this is 20 years after, like, over 20 years after he did his first Bond movie. So, Connery is a little old, so we have to bring that up. And they just work it in there real quick and then leave it behind. And then leave it behind. And yeah, just... exactly. And then it becomes just this insane, you know, like there's the, and then also like there's he gets sucked into this spy thing and the guy has had his the one of the, you know, the villains who's kind of expendable. I can't remember his name. He's had his retina scanned so that it matches the president. Oh, Jack. Yeah, yeah, Jack. His retina scan so that it matches the president's, and that's how he can like swap out the warheads. And I'm like, yeah. that's not how American defense that's works. That's not how it works. Yeah, and it's in in the original Thunderball. If you remember, like, and I remember just because I watched them back to back. It's a guy gets plastic surgery to look like a pilot who is going to be flying a like test flight of carrying two nuclear devices. Right. And he's just going to sabotage it and then crash it. And that's and also it's like, very, it's very broken arrow. Yeah. And it's, 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 do you like my like, broken arrow reference? That was, broken that was, arrow. That was, that was John Travolta, that was, Christian Slater. Yeah. Broken yeah, arrow. Yeah. No, it was good. I like that. They, I like they that fight you. each other for $5. Yeah. <laughs> well, wait, you want to rush. Yeah. It's a good movie. Um, and so, yeah, it's just it's this is a strange movie. And the fact that it exists is strange and the fact that Connery said, "Yeah, I'll do it" is strange. And apparently the reason why it's called Never Say Never Again is because Sean Connery's uh, wife was like, 
remember how you said you'd never do another James Bond movie again and blah 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 and so like they they give her like a, cr- a, a, a credit in the credits she gets like a writing credit yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> and it's just it's and it, like Kim Basinger is in it I'm like whoa I mean I forgot hey, that she's hot never, I'm never gonna cute girl she looked great love it she looked great 80s Kim Basinger like mm-hmm. Batman era yeah. love it but there's also just like okay and then again but so then we get back into this thing of like this is still in the time period where James Bond has to pretend to be other people sometimes to get shit done. So he pretends mm-hmm. to be her masseuse and he gives her mm-hmm. a, a massage and it's like, uh, it's pretty rapey. And, uh, and then the mm-hmm. real massage therapist lady comes in and he excuses himself and she explains to Kim Domino. She explains, Domino, Oh, I, I don't know who that man was. I'm your massage. I'm sorry. I was running late. Yeah, and then we get that great was. shot of Kim Basinger being like, was I just assaulted? And then she's and like, did ah, I like it? Ah, ah. Ah, giggle, giggle. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. If this movie came out now, it'd be like, hashtag James Bond is a molester. Mm-hmm. Fuck James Bond. Uh, you know. Um, I don't know. This is one of those movies where like, as it went on and on and on, and it is a, it is a long film as well it's a long movie it's a long movie and i was for like how much of a bag of trash it really (laughs) ultimate and i will say this too so here and here's i watched thunderball in this back-to-back thunderball is a notoriously boring movie it's a very good bomb movie but not a whole lot happens in it and Mm -hmm. it's very slow and very long Mm -hmm. never say never again is a uh, just by the very, very nature of being an 80s movie comparing it to a 60s movie has a lot more energy and attitude and flair to it. So in some ways, it is just kind of more entertaining on a minute to minute right. set. The pacing is a little quicker, which is what kind of makes the runtime even more ridiculous because yeah. they just spend so much time on really weird shit. They just they drag a lot of scenes out a lot, a lot, a lot. And I was like... This is and not we necessary. we must we must talk about we must talk about a couple things in this, but primarily right now, the scene where the uh, bad Bond girl is about to execute Bond, and what she wants to happen mm-hmm. is you will write a note that says that I was the best lover that you ever had and you're going to sign it James Bond and I'm watching this and I'm just like I'm like is this the most realistic thing that ever happened in a Bond movie like that would happen at that point where Bond has become such because it's a very meta kind of thing where it's like at this point Bond has been around in the universe for so long that everybody knows who he is we all know who Bond is and he's a womanizer he's had so many women and so for her, whose character is kind of just like, she's also a treat of a character. Like that actress oh, is yeah. having a blast doing oh, yeah. this. That's a, that's a fun, that's a fun role. And that's I think it's, role. it's just such a fun way for like that moment. To, going back to like, just shoot him in the face. Just shoot him. Just, but, exactly, she has, exactly. but she has a very specific reason why she's going to keep him alive for a couple more minutes. And it's so ridiculous, but plays into her ridiculous character's nature. I was watching it and I was like, this is really cool. I kind of actually am digging this right now. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's just, it's just such a, it is such a funny thing for them to do. Like at that moment. Right. But it makes sense. Like, and it does. that's, that's, it does. that's kind of something that I think a lot of the movie does well. I think that bomb being old and having a new M come in cause they can't hire Bernard Lee 
and you know having a new queue and I mean they had they, they couldn't and stuff like they couldn't they hire anybody yeah. because everybody else was like I'm so sorry I have to be loyal to Eon Productions yeah so sorry. And they yeah. were like, all right, we're going to work around this. Buddy. I mean, I got to tell you, I do like this cue that fucks. I do like <laughs> Algy. Like, I, I'm, I'm kind of looking at I'm looking at him and I'm like, I could watch this guy give give James Bond some, like, give him some stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no. He's, I like he's, him a lot. He's a perfectly uh, uh, cromulent. They're the Simpsons. Uh, he's mm-hmm. he's good. He's good. He's He's a good... Uh, not Q. He's un- not Q, un-Q. and he's a good and he's good at but not he's being good at Q. Not being Q, but he's also good at being the guy who gives him the Q stuff. Mm-hmm. It's it's fun stuff. It, it's a lot. Again, it's a lot like Skyfall, where it's like, oh, Q branch is a little under budget. We don't really have a whole bunch to give you. This kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah. It, the, the 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 similarities between this and Skyfall are really shocking. It, they really, really are. They really, and, really are because it's like it's like. Skyfall is like a very solemn meditation on aging. And yes. this is like and and worth and like what you're and worth, worth yeah, as you exactly. get older. Yeah. And and especially in an organization like MI6 where, you know, you're a number. We recruited recruited you because you're an orphan. Orphans make the best recruits because mm-hmm. you have no connections or ties and you don't give a fuck and you'll just go out there and kill shit. And this is like the little the... rats on the island. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Last rat remaining. Um, and this is like the um, this is like the tongue-in-cheek meditation on aging. It's kind of like, yeah, Jimmy's getting old, you know, but uh, he can still fucking kill somebody in a gym. Um, <laughs> I mean, like that scene when he's just like working out in the gym. Oh yeah, and the guy comes and and like cuts the wire and like strangles him with the with the bar, and then he fights back. And he's I was just like, man, they're doing. And this. You gotta love like they, they did it in the gym, this. so they could just put the mats out, so Sean Connery could do his stunts on <laughs> exactly. mats. Exactly, so that he doesn't uh, uh, damage his joints any further. <laughs> and that is that is um, that that guy playing that is uh, Pat Roach. He is like. A notorious big dude guy. He he played the uh, the guy that uh, Indiana Jones fights outside the helicopter in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, he plays like a okay, bad guy. In, okay. He's like he's like in Willow. He's in he's in so much shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he's in a lot of like the Conan movies. He was in like a Call movie. He's like that dude that you get when you're just like you just I need, need like a, a big, big dude that can a just big like bad guy that has like some real good like comedic presence as well as being intimidating. He's like fantastic right. at it. Right, right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I I ended up having to watch Never Say Never again over two days, um, because I started it one night and then I was I was I was fading fast and <laughs> I was like, you know, I don't think I. I don't want to risk falling asleep when I have to go and discuss this somewhat intelligently. Sure. So I split it up over Appreciate two it. days. Yeah, yeah, no, I split up over two days. And then, like, what happened when I came back to watch the rest of it was, like, I looked at the timestamp and I was like, there's still an hour and 15 minutes yeah, left to it's go. One of the, it's one of those movies, yeah. <laughs> Where it's, like, halfway through, they just, like, and now this is the actual story. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Um, but what a story it is. It really is. You know, and it's wild. And then, you know, and again, like when I went back and I was like, why did they, why did, why did they do the remake? And I learned about McClory and I learned about the whole battle with, with, you know, with Thunderball, like the story elements. And I mean, I, I get it. Like, you know, I would be mad. I don't care if it's Ian Fleming. I'd be mad if somebody like went and wrote a novel based on a premise and a, Sure. Story that I yeah, he's completely justified in what he did. It's just wild that he was able to pull it off and get money for it. And get money for it. And get crazy. And get fucking Sean Connery to come back to do it. And then and then and then at the end of all this, be like, that went so well. I want to do a sequel with Timothy Dalton. This is like you know he gets Sean Connery, but like there's you've also got like. Like Max von Sydow, I know fucking clocks in. I know, to play, I know. That was the thing was to play and, Blofeld, and you're just like, what? What? And that it's funny. So I, again, I was watching this with Tim. We saw we saw Max von Sydow's name in, in the credits, and we had actually just about a week ago we had watched um, the uh, the the SCTV the SCTV movie The Brothers. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. He's in that. He plays like an evil Bond villain who runs a beer brewery in Canada. There you go. There you go. And uh, it's just, it was one of those things where we were like, ah, we get to see him like twice in two weeks. Again. Again. I'm going to look. And here's another great thing. Uh, Fucking Bernie Casey, who uh, I only know, I I think that he was on a a couple TV shows, but Bernie Casey plays Felix Leiter in this. Ah. And he's, and he's black. Oh, right. Yes. And which I did, is what they do in Casino Royale. Exactly. With exactly. And I th- and I read this too when I was doing my Thunderball. Bob and Doug McKenzie. Uh, that's the uh, the two characters from SCTV. They made a whole movie around them. And it was about an evil beer brewer played by. Anyway. Uh, sure. It was going to drive me crazy that I couldn't remember their names. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it, it's just. I don't know. Where were we going with this? I got what, so Bernie side- Casey? Bernie Casey. He plays Felix Leiter. Yes. Okay. That's the thing. I So I was reading about this and they were talking about, and I remember where I was going with this, that when they cast that character, they were like, you know, Felix Leiter is a cool character, but he's always kind of unforgettable in mm-hmm. these movies. He's just like, oh, right. The CIA guy who comes and helps Bond sometimes. And and he's 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 there. He's there. Like you know, they they never really you know they don't want to go all cool like they did with Felix and Doctor No because that would take away from Bond. But then they were they were thinking, oh maybe we've we've swung too far in the other direction. And Felix is always just kind of like, oh right. And Felix was there too. Mm-hmm. How do we make Felix different without outshining Bond? We'll make him black. Yeah. And I'm like, that's your thought process. I okay. Guess, sure. I mean, okay. hey, okay. if it get, if it gets you there, uh, I mean. I mean I'm like, you know now, what? And then we end up with Jeffrey Wright in the in the Craig hey. films. And Jeffrey Wright is a brilliant actor. So, like, I'm not going to complain. And he's fantastic in that he's, part. Absolutely. But, but it's I was going to say, Bernie know. Casey, the, the guy that plays Felix later in this, I only know him. He is the, he is Bill and Ted's teacher in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure that gives them the speech. Like, oh, my God. Hey, you you got to pass this final. Otherwise, you know, oh my God. you flunk. Wow. It's wild. It's wild stuff. Um, since we're getting towards the end here, uh, I want to make sure that we definitely discuss this. Let us talk about Centipede. 
and video games in this movie. I um, you Bond at one moment walks out of a casino and into a room that is filled with about <laughs> thirty-five centipede arcade games. They're all centipede. There's like one or two in the initial shot that are different ones, but when you have that very wide <laughs> shot, they are all just centipede. And you, they obviously just got like they just ordered. 35 centipedes to do this. And you know what's wild about this? We were talking about how in Dr. No, a lot of the establishing themes and motifs of Bond movies are established. So we see Bond in a casino. He meets Mm -hmm. his first Bond girl, you know, playing blackjack or whatever. There's a casino, big casino scene in Diamonds Are Forever. It's also at Circus Circus, so it's a fucking circus. But, uh, and there... (laughs) I'm sorry. Diamonds are forever. Lest we forget, I need to mention this. A fucking circus elephant wins at one of the slot machines. There is a moment in Diamonds are Forever where that happens, and I just wanted to point that out. And then again, we've got a casino in Never Say Never. So casinos, you know, and the Casino Royale, whatever, you know, like betting, gambling, you know, intrigue around, you know, the world, this kind of, you know, it's in Skyfall as well, that, that casino in Macau. This is a Bond thing. And in Never Say Never Again, they're like, here's your Bond casino scene, but actually, it's about video games. Yeah, because video games are cool <laughs> in 1983. Yes, yeah, so, so let's get a uh, uh, middle-aged Bond uh, uh, in a video game war mm-hmm. and uh, see it, how 50, that... 55-year-old <laughs> Sean Connery sits down at a big table and plays like... <laughs> A big, like, conquer the world type video game while getting electrocuted. Yes. Um, it is, uh, it's the one thing that I remember the most from the movie whenever I think about it. Uh, and it's, again, it's one of those things where you're just like, you know, because I mentioned to you, just like, wait until you see, like, old James Bond playing video yes, games you instead did, of cards. You did warn me, and, and I took It doesn't come warning. until, like, an hour and 15 minutes into it, but it's revealed by he opens a door and it's filled with arcade games. Right. So I can only imagine you seeing that being like, ah. Yes. No, exactly. Because this, I was I was motoring along in this very long movie. And I was like, maybe maybe Burge was just fucking with me with that video game yeah. warning. I don't see no video games here. And then that happened. And I was like, oh, my God. They go for it. They go for it. There's, there's a video there's a video game and that's war. again like that's it's it's something that's really funny it's really goofy and kind of fun to like dissect you know removed by about 40 years being like why would they well, make yeah, a decision because, like because, that because video but it's also a very like, entertaining scene like right. it is actually a riveting bond loses three times yes and only comes back and wins after he goes all in and which is, is like your classic card game that bond does exactly and, and it does have that sort of sadistic bond villain edge of like if you lose at the video game not only have you lost the video game and you're a fucking loser but you also get electrocuted. And yeah. that's just like, that's like classic sadistic Bond villain shit right there. It's cool. It's, it's cool super stuff. Cool. And it's also like, it's just, and there's something very endearing about it too. It's like, it's 1983. We're making a movie. Technology. Video games. Video games. That's the youth are into the, these, uh, exactly. These, uh, yeah. Newfangled things called these video kids games. are into those video games. Yeah, and so like the uh, guy, the guy that plays Largo in this one is like really cool. He's got like he's like 
he feels like a real person. Like Largo and Thunderball is eye patch, and he's just like he oh, looks like a fucking yeah, weirdo. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, he he looks like you know uh, Steve Martin's boss in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles or something. Like he he just has like a weird look to him. And in this, he's just very much like he kind of feels like a you know like like a yuppie chic like fake uh, kind of just like crazy billionaire who's just like Kim Basinger is mine and when yeah. I'm when I'm bored with her I'll kill her and I'll move on and stuff right. and it's right. he's got like a really fun kind of edge to him when he's walking around with the boom box and stuff and he's like you're gonna oh want to listen yes. to this and, yes yes and he's got that great moment where Bond's like you know tied up he's lost and he's just like so I mean like since you got me here now why don't just tell me where the nuclear bombs are and he's like oh well I mean yeah, I guess you can't do anything with it. The first bomb is like underneath the president's feet as we speak, and he's like, and the second one, and he's like, oh, and the se- oh, and the second one, oh, no, 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 and like that's that's cool because that is like that's little... exactly what you. It's a it's reaffirming what you were talking about, right? Where it's, where like, it's like he's not going to go on the huge speech. He's going to toy with them still gonna, a little exactly. more. Exactly, he's going to be like, I'm not going to tell you the whole plan. Yeah, I'm not going to give you I'm that satisfaction because exactly. exactly. you're used to it. Exactly. Exactly. I feel like so much of Never Say Never Again, like the thesis of that, if the movie is Bond, you're used to this. You're used to being, you're used to being attacked in strange places. And so why not have you be attacked in a gym? Uh, You're used to getting to to bang anybody. So you get treated by a chiropractor and then you fuck her because cool. Uh, Cause you, you know, deserve it. Cause buddy. you deserve it, buddy. Cause you know you get to you get to uh, feel up Kim Basinger while pretending to be a masseuse, and that's totally okay. And she kind of likes it, and that's that's your life, James Bond. And so it's like, and then we get the villain who's like, I'm I'm not gonna tell you anything. I'm not gonna tell or not. I'm not gonna tell you everything because because uh, mm-hmm. you're used to that. So it's 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 kind of. There's there's like a a leaning into Bond tropes in this movie, and then there's kind of like a very tongue in cheek sort of like, well, we're gonna subvert your expectations in several ways. Like one of the main ones being he's fucking old. Mm-hmm. The other one being M really fucking doesn't like him and wants yeah. him to go away. And, you know, it's like, it's like he he's, and then, and Bond keeps coming back to M and he's like, I don't know. I was at the health spa. You told me to go to the health spa. This shit happened. I had to do what I had to do. And mm-hmm. M's like, damn it. I sent you there to get healthy and you ruined everything. Yeah. And he he's keeps like, trying to send him to like, places to like exactly. keep him out of trouble. And he's like, but shit is ha- going down and I can help fix it. And M's like, fuck off. I hate the double O sector. And it's mm-hmm. like, what is going on here? Bond's like, I'm just trying to be a responsible spy. I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know. Uh, you know. The Do- movie's got, like, a lot of fun stuff to it. Like, like you're saying, like, a lot of, like, the ideas and the hooks that they use to, like, try and make all of this make sense. Like, they have to change some things from Thunderball, from the movie, or and whether they take those directly from the book or just mm-hmm. come up with them brand new like they do with a lot of stuff in this. They have to account for why he's older. They have to account for why there's a different M, why there's a different Q. Mm-hmm. And I think that they do all of those things well enough, but at the end of the day, you're just kind of like, why are you making this? Like, yes, that and was it my sounds question. funny to be like, why remake a movie that was made 20 years ago that, when like, that's-, that's exactly what we're doing right now? Yeah. Yeah. Like in 2020, all we're doing is like, what can we remake from the 90s and early aughts? No, oh, exactly. Yes. Sweet, exactly. sweet no, nostalgia. That's a, really, 
It's a really good point. Yeah. No, I mean, because that was the thing, too, is I was watching this and I kept thinking, why? 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 Like, what was the point? Why? Uh, Sean Connery was in Thunderball. So why? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, let be in all fairness, if they were to announce tomorrow that they are making a remake of Living Daylights, but it's something else and it's by a different director and Timothy Dalton is going to play Bond, I would be into that. I'd be like, sure. Yeah. Show, show me what it is. And they're like, it's not part of the canon of Bond. It's a fun thing that we're doing. Timothy, I'd be like, great, Timothy sure. Dalton just wanted to have some fun for a while. Sure. Yeah, and so you it's know. like thinking about it in that retrospect, thinking about it like that, I'd be yeah. like, yeah, sure. Like Timothy Dalton is like a is a beloved Bond at this point now. He wasn't when he was there. Like give him his time to shine. Right, exactly. Do like an aging. I mean, this was a, a like we. I think we talked about it in the first episode where that we did where uh, it, there was like a uh, uh, an old Bond movie that they were gonna try and make in like the '90s or early aughts with Sean Connery, where it was gonna be an aging Bond. Mm-hmm. And, it, and they, like, made, like, a short film using CGI and stuff to make it look like Sean Connery as, right. like, a proof of concept. And actually, a, a lot of, kind of, the energy in that, I think, was used for the opening of Casino Royale, which is all in black and white and has I the agree. same kind of noir yeah. motif to it. Right, um, right. So that's always been an interesting thing. And even something like Skyfall is, like, let's deal with James Bond getting older. I think that they did a little too early for that Bond. But, I agree. I agree. You know, it was a little, it, 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 it's it just weird that sure, Skyfall but... is about him being old and now it's going to land directly in the middle of his, of his run. Yeah. And it, when and even know, like, like a view to a kill isn't really fucking around with the fact that Roger Moore is like 61 years old. I know I was, again, when I was like, I was, when I was doing my, my deep dive into why never say never again even happened, I kind of, you know, you go down these Wikipedia wormholes and you look at all this stuff. And, and like, apparently, uh, and this is the thing that I actually really love about Roger Moore as an actor and a person, is um, the very last Bond film he did, which was, was it A View to a Kill? What was yep, it? That's yeah, that's his last that one. that was it. Um, he, got, he got dragged by critics because they were all like, Dude, Roger, you are too fucking old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is not believable and it's bad and painful and we can't deal with it. You need to drop this. it. You need, you need to, to stop. drop it. And then Roger Moore was like, he gave a comment to the press. He was like, yes, I admit I'm about 400 years too old to play this character anymore. So I'm going to step down. Yeah. And I love that. I mean, like those verbatim, That's those are the words he said. He was like, I am 400 years too old to play this character now. Mm-hmm. I guess it's time. And he was totally cool. Like, not bitter, not angry. He was like, yeah, I think those critics were right. I shouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. And and that's the, and that's it's, like. As I, the story goes, it's like he wanted to top out. Like he wanted to get seven of them in there so that he, he was the record holder, 007. Right. Like he's made seven of them and he'll right. probably have the record forever. Right, right. You know, and, and but but he's also so good natured about it. He's like, all right, yeah. yep, I was, I'm old, I get it, I'm old. I mean, and that's also like Connery. They pumped his initial five out in like six years, like 61, yeah. 62, 63, 64, 65. Like those are his movies. Right. And then there's just like the break for On Her Majesty's Secret Service, and then like a two year break 
between diamonds are forever and that's it. Like, so he, right. he really knocked him out and it, Roger Moore kind of did the same thing where they were releasing them every year they or were, every yeah. other year. Yeah. And now with Daniel Craig, it's like, remember Casino Royale was in like 2005. Yeah. And now we're getting his fifth one, 15 years. Like he's been bond for 15 he's years. Bond, that's yeah. longer that than is, anyone else has ever had. He it. is actually, he's not the record holder for a number of bond films. Obviously that's Roger Moore, but he is the record holder for longest tenure. Yeah. Yeah. as James Bond. Because now these movies just take longer to they make. They take longer and, to make. Because, and, and it's because, it's just because of the era we're in and they want to be reflective of what is, you know, te- technologically going on in the world, what is socially going on in the world, what is politically going on. Like, I get why they're doing it, but it's like, it's, 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 it's it is odd. It is odd to have such a long gap between the first Craig Bond Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, like, obviously nobody knew COVID was going to happen. But, like, you know, it's it's stretching on more and more and more. I mean, and then also, like, you know, as we're talking about this idea of, like, exploring the idea of aging and what does aging mean for a character like James Bond and how does that impact the storytelling? Um, if we're, you know, just, just a little a little uh, brief foray into what I know about Bond 25. Uh, no Time to Die. That's what we decided it was called. I, I, I think that that's what they'll call it. We'll yeah. see when it comes out. Yeah. Um, I, my understanding is that Bond is retired when the movie begins. He's, he's, mm-hmm. uh, he's, he's just, he's, he's tapped out. He's like, nope. And that's funny because that's basically how Never Say Never Again ends. He's just like, I'm never going to do that again. I'm just yeah, gonna... Rowan Atkinson shows up. Yeah, and he's exactly. Like, and he's like, Johnny English yeah, shows up <laughs> and he's just like, oh, we want you back. And he's like, nope, I'm going to live with Domino Kim Basinger and have a great life. And like, more power to you, man. Like, cool. You deserve and it. And that is like the end to that because there is no other Bond movies after that. So that is theoretically the way Sean Connery's Bond ends. Yes. If you want to break them down into Exactly. That. If you want to look at them as discrete phases of a character, like mm-hmm. that is that is the end of Sean Connery as James Bond. But yeah, there you know, that's I think that's that's the the premise of of Bond 25 is that Bond has retired and um you know, Blow Blofeld, the world's stupidest villain, uh, now played by Christoph Waltz. Uh, they got a real German to play the German. Um, come, come, Mister Bond. <laughs> uh, you know, like he's he's in in custody and still doing crazy things, and I I think Bond just gets sucked back into it because of that. That's all I know about Bond Twenty Five. Mm-hmm. Besides the fact that Phoebe Waller Bridge co-wrote the script, and she is yep. the brilliant creator and writer and star of Fleabag. Yeah, that's and gonna be so that's, that's gonna, gonna be, be fun. amazing because she's it's it's, it's nice like, when you have good writers writing movies that you're excited about seeing. Yeah. And that's, I know that's a like, nice thing. It's like I know it's gonna be, you know, witty and smart and, you know, uh you know, interesting. It's not gonna be fluff, you know, with with someone like her writing the mm-hmm. script. So I'm excited for that. But it's but it is I mean like it is interesting to it's think just about hampered down how... by being such a direct sequel to Spectre. Yes, I, like, exactly, th- like, exactly. You know, the, and the fact that like Lee Sedu is in it, I'm just like I. I know, and I, I don't and was, need it you to be in exactly. this movie. I read an interview with her too, where she was like, "Oh, her character is there, and Bond is 
involved with her and it's supposed to allow him to uh, psychologically deal with the trauma of losing Vesper Lind. So they're trying to bring the Daniel Craig arc full circle and I respect that, but I also don't think it's necessary. Mm-hmm. I mean, and we'll see. Like, if it, if if they... I think that there is something that can happen in that movie that will save Spectre a little bit. Like, I like kind so. of reframe it a little bit, you know, kind of in the same way that, like, Alien so. Covenant kind of reframes Prometheus so that, like, <laughs> you, you can kind of appreciate it a bit that's more. A, that's a very good comparison, actually. Yes. That's, that's, what I, that's what I go for. Yeah. Um, um, you know, it's also crazy, too, because Spectre came out in 2015. It's been five years, six years at the point that it comes out that, I like, it, it's, it's been six years since we had a Bond movie. And that's a long time, a especially long when time. it's the same Bond. Exactly. And I don't know how much of that was because I, I do remember that when Spectre was done, Daniel Craig was kind of burned out and he was he's like, bur- yeah, he didn't want to do it anymore. Like, I didn't want it. So I think there was, some- he literally said he'd rather slit his wrists than make yeah, another one, exactly. which is like, just so uh, groovy. Yeah. You're a very melodramatic man, Mr. Craig. Um, and so I know that there was some, you know, there's some negotiating that happened that, that accounts for the gap. Um, but then, like you said, you know, like when in the beginning, they're like pumping these movies out, like once every year, once every two years, you know, with Connery, with with Roger Moore. And then, you know, we get these long, long stretches mm-hmm. now. And, um, you know, in a way, it's in a way, I think it's good because it builds anticipation and makes people excited for, you know, what are they going to do next? But it's also just kind of like. What are you waiting for? What, mm-hmm. like, what do you, what, come on. You know, we like this character. Yeah. You know, you I mean, know. and they know, they know. And you know, people they, are going to go excited. to the theater. I think that they're like, let's get this Craig one out and let's get someone else in those shoes and like, let's start fresh and start pumping it out. And pumping it out again. I yeah. think that they're excited for that. Yeah. Yeah. I do. Uh, I do have to bounce though. Um, I'm sorry. I have kept no, 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 no. Long. You're fine. You're fine. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to uh, really uh, 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 mention about Never Sin Ever Again before we? Because we even got our we got our quick uh, tangent on the state of Bond and everything in there too. Yeah, so yeah, we're, exactly. Yeah, we're yeah, pretty we, good. We're, we're pretty. Know, we're pretty set. I mean, the, I think the, I think the the main the the main thing that I I have to say about Never Say Never Again is 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 my question the whole time was why? And then I didn't know the answer to that. And then in the course of our conversation, when you've pointed out the very obvious parallels between Never Say Never Again and Skyfall, which is like maybe like the darker version of Never Say Never Again, I'm like, okay, you know what? It's not a part of the official Bond canon. Uh, it never will be. It's it's the rogue movie. Um, but I think... In the end, it ends up informing who Bond became. And I think that's kind of interesting to say, okay, this is a movie that everybody says, this is not a part of the Bond canon. We did not approve this movie. And it's so not a part of the Bond canon that we can't even use any of the Bond logos or theme music or anything. But it ends up, it ends up like uh, establishing a theme that is then addressed in canon films which is what does it mean to be an aging spy and i think that's an interesting question honestly i honestly think that's an interesting question and i i think that's one of the most i agree i think that that's one of the most interesting things about the movie 
and it's why I don't like write it off and it's why I include it in like my collection of bond like of course, I yeah. would co- I would include it in like my rankings and stuff like that it wouldn't be very high in comparatively in quality but I think that there's a lot of stuff here that save it a lot uh, that save it much more than its faults I mm-hmm. find it's I find its interesting aspects uh much more uh intriguing and uh worthy of discussion than uh its faults you know yeah like i think what it does wrong is a mo- is stuff that a lot of bomb movies do wrong but what it does right are very unique to this movie and it's some stuff that we're not going to see in other bomb movies for like decades right uh, until and then, after this one came out and just like and then you know in that in 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 me doing the research into like well well how did this even happen and finding out that the death of McClory allowed MGM to buy back story rights that allowed them to make Blowfield a character again. Mm-hmm. Again, like bringing us back to where Bond is now. And they, you know, like Spectre wasn't a great movie. We've addressed that. But I do think that it is cool that after so many years, we get Blofeld again. I called him Blofield, and I do that all the time. And it's my fine. boyfriend schools me. Um, but it, it's it's. Uh, I, I just think that's super cool because he's he's an iconic Bond villain. He's extremely stupid in Diamonds Are Forever, but he's still an iconic Bond villain. And then we didn't get him for so many years, and I didn't I didn't know why until I did the 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 Thunderball research, and then it's just like. It all, you know, again, it's like never say never again somehow ends up placing us in in a location where we get the Bond movies that we're getting today. And so yeah. it's like, you're right. We shouldn't write it off. I mean, it's it's, you know, it was the rogue Bond film, but, you know, it's 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 informed what we know about Bond today. So uh, nothing to sneeze at there. Oh, one thing I wanted to say about Diamonds Are Forever. Please. Uh, in the end, when uh, he's on the the uh, in on the naval whatever device <laughs> that Blofeld has is running his operation off of before he gets yeah. put in the storage room brig, and yeah. uh, he's swapped out the cassette that's supposed to save the day, and then Tiffany Case misunderstands. Yeah. Yes, and she swaps it back. And Bond literally says, he calls her a bitch and slaps her across the face. He says, you're a stupid twit. I'd yeah, already he says repl- he's stupid I mean, like, twit. Yeah. And then later on, he, he calls her a bitch yeah. to be able to like slide the cassette back in, like as if like they're not in cahoots together. Yeah. But the way he says the bitch way- is one of... So- it's one of the greatest moments that word has ever been spoken. Yes. And it's also just like, it's just, it was also like, for me, I was just like, whoa. Okay. It's intense. It's intense. Okay. He's mad. Um, you know, and then also, you know, like in the wake of Connery's death, um, you know, I know uh, he's got this tremendous legacy, not just as Bond, but in, in, in so many, you know, he was, he was, Indiana Jones. He was, sure. you know, like he Hunt did for that. Red October. Exactly. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, that Entrapment. <laughs> like all Sean exactly. Connery's movies are SNL cast members. <laughs> exactly. Dragon Heart. Uh, um, first Night. Do you remember that? Oh, of course. 
I don't want to remember it. It was oh, uh, yeah. it was not a movie I want to remember. It was a movie mm-hmm. that made me uh, lose respect. That's for, the for... movie Richard Gere put a gerbil up his ass on the set of. I did not. That's know not that. true. It's not true. Okay, but, but that's oh, that's the rumor. Okay, now it's now it's canon. Now it's canon. He did it. He did it because he is. He was in full costume as Lancelot too. He's uh, he's dedicated. Yeah, that movie made me lose respect for Richard Gere for a few years, uh, and uh, I think it basically killed Julia Armand's career. So that was a shame. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But you know, I, I have seen a lot of articles about Connery's death. And I don't want to keep. I know you've. I know you've got another engagement, and I'm just. Oh no! It's, here. I'm still having fun. Like you, we right. mentioned the gerbil Richard Gere thing, <laughs> and I was like, oh, he probably said to the gerbil, "I want you to be the knight of my round table." You know, so I'm still like, I'm still in a good mood. I'm in no right, rush. Right, like right, I, right. I didn't. I wasn't even gonna say that on the audio. I was like, that's just for me. But like, right. just to show you so, how good of a mood I'm in, I'm okay. <laughs> I've been reading so many articles, but you know, and this is. This is just because of the time we live in. It's 2020. Um, you know, we've got a, 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 a guy who runs a very bad hotel who just was voted out of the White House. Um, you know, the, 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 the state of the, you know, just discourse has gone downhill. And, you know, with the Me Too movement and all this stuff. And there's been a lot of, you know, along with the articles that I've read that honor Sean Connery, there have been a lot of articles talking about how, you know, his iteration of James Bond was particularly bad to women. And that was the moment, you know, like when I'm watching Diamonds Are Forever and he calls Tiffany Case a bitch, I was like, oh, right, this is what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And then in real life, apparently Sean Connery was like, yeah, sometimes you just got to slap a woman around. Cause it's one of the greatest just, interviews you know? ever given. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I don't, you know, I don't agree with him in any way, but. But it's totally... That's a hell of a thing to just be like, yeah. yeah. Like, he's so cool. Like, That's not thing, cool, like, like awesome. He's just, like, very chill about he's it. Very, he's just like, very, very nonchalant. It's like, this is just... And that's it's like, it's to, so totally in the character of Sean Connery. Not that Sean Connery was a character. You know, mm-hmm. he's a human being. But, like, yes, of course, my understanding of Sean Connery as a man is shaped by these you know, these iconic Bond films he's been in, I 100% believe that he was totally okay with smacking women around. Do I approve no. of it? No. Am I okay with it? No. No. Uh, I believe it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm, I've talked myself into a corner here because I don't want to endorse this behavior. Of course not. No. But, and I, I think it's, I think know, it's an interesting concept to tackle and, and struggle with the concept of separating an artist from their art, even when their art is kind of representative of the thing that you think might be a little right. bit negative about the artists. Right, right. And you get, you know, and you get, we've gotten degrees of that over the years with, you know, reassessing Kevin Spacey's career, Woody Allen's career, whatever, you know, and I feel like if I were, were to grade all of them, you know, Sean Connery giving the interview where he's like, yeah, sometimes I, I got to smash a snack, smack a bitch around. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm, I'm way more okay with Sean Connery saying that than I am with anything that Woody Allen did to his. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's like, you know, you know, know, so it's like, it's like him in that interview is like, you know, it's almost like a, it's like a, it's like a lyric in a song, you know, like, it's Mm -hmm. just like, it's just like, 
he's an old guy. He's doing this bullshit. It's not right. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't. But he's but he's but a product it, of the of the times that yeah. he came from. And again, I'm I'm not trying to say like I'm. It's okay that he was doing that. I think that it is completely. I I think just my opinion. Sorry. I think that it is completely understandable to struggle with the nature of your liking someone who is oh, a celebrity that has done some stuff. 100%. Like you can like them, but as long as you are aware of what they've done and that you're kind of like, as long as the struggle is there, I yeah. don't think that you're being forced to say like, well, I like them anyway, or I don't like them because of that. 100%. The struggle can remain there and you can say, I am aware of that. That's not cool, but he's great in last crusade as Indiana Jones's dad. Like that's oh, arguable. Yeah. Yeah. Like those things can go exactly. hand in hand. They, exactly. they don't have to be absolute. No, I absolutely, 100%. 100%. I agree. Oh, boy. That's all I got, man. Well, good, because I got to go talk to... <laughs> I got to go talk to Robbie about planes, trains, and automobiles. Oh, that's why I keep man. bringing it up. Yeah. That's going to be... Well, it's going to be fun. That's going to be a fun one, yeah. yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a, take a quick... Uh, grab some more water break and uh, pop back on. But, Rhea, thank you so much for joining me for yet another Bond cast. This thank was fun. You. This was great. This is always... It's always a blast. It's always a blast. Yep. And I think we kept this one civilized. We did. We did. It ran a little bit longer. I think we were aiming for like an hour, hour and a half, and I think we're well, over. Well, I mean, yeah. Screw I it. Some, uh, I had some technical difficulties. Screw it. Yeah, no, it's fine. Um, so, yeah, I think we'll plan on hopefully maybe doing another one of these in like March or April, like before No Time to Die comes out and Perfect. kind of, uh, you know, yeah. kind of just do like a quick Craig retrospective and uh, Love it. get a special episode in there. I think that'll be fun. We'll have Love the it. whole Craig We'll have the whole Craig thing together, and so yeah. then we'll be able to hopefully, if the theater too is like uh, doing well off well enough in that time, which it should be. Uh, I want to show all the Craig movies leading up oh, to the release of No Time to Die. I think that that would be fun. That would be super amazing. So yeah. maybe we could uh, do something with that. But yeah. thank you again so much for joining me, Ria. Thank you too. It was and so great to see you. Even it's uh, good to see you. You look magic. great. Yeah, so do you. Yeah, so yeah. good. I'm glad you got a new job. Yeah, I'm glad the movie theaters. Uh, you know. We're doing it. Doing it. You're doing Back it. Back to the movies. Yes. <laughs> um, and thank you guys so much for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. And remember, we're not the only podcast on Story Screen. There's a whole slew of shows. Cat the Raycast, hosted by Bernadette Gorman-White. Hot Takes, hosted by Robbie Anderson and Jack Kolodzewski, just to name a few. We also have a bunch of fun franchise stuff. And uh, plenty of other Overdrinkers episodes. If you like this, uh, they're all for free. Just scroll on back on any... Uh, podcast app that you're listening to this on right now on spotify and uh remember to visit storyscreenbeacon.com bunch of articles Rhea has actually written some of the most some of the best articles that we have on the site uh she's one of our she's one of our prized writers that's very sweet and uh we promise to start paying you soon uh we're working on it we're we're, we're getting an infrastructure in this so it's working and um if you guys like this stuff and you want to hear more podcasts or specifically the plane strains and automobiles episode i'm about to record with robbie you can become an exclusive member on our website it's five bucks a month directly helps to pay Rhea for uh, writing articles as well as other stuff, getting microphones, green screens, helping us out. And also you get a bunch of awesome free content, at least two podcasts and two articles a month uploaded to our exclusive content feed. One of those being, I am going uh, film by film through Steven Spielberg's uh, filmography and kind of talking oh, about why wow. he is that boss. Yeah. Wow. It's great stuff. Yeah. Oh. I'll share the articles with you so that you can check them out. I'll, yeah, I'll give yeah. you the pass to the exclusive. You, You've earned it. You've earned oh, thank it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I'll give you, I'll give you a one month free trial. Okay. <laughs> yes. That's, that's, you know what? That's adequate compensation. 
Perfect. Yep. All right. Thank you guys again so much for listening. Rhea, thanks for joining me. And uh, I'll catch you later. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>